0: What is up everybody and welcome back to another episode of Tour Life. I am Paul Uliberry. Today, Brody Smith is not going to be joining us unfortunately. He's on a vacation in Hawaii. Time difference really didn't line up too well. So I have my good friend who's going to co-host with me and that's big germ Jeremy Coling. Jeremy,
1: welcome to the show, buddy thanks man I am uh, happy to be on the show for the first time it's kind of crazy that it's taken this long but mm, I'm happy to be here filling in for the great Brody Smith right yeah we'll we'll miss him we got a great show for you guys tonight. We have a few
0: awesome guests. First one going to be in about a half hour or so after I catch up with my good friend here. We're going to be joined by Brian Schwaber going over a few pretty cool topics. This guy is a prolific winner on the PDGA Tour. He's won over go. 300 events. He plays every single weekend, literally sometimes twice a weekend. Oh, well, sometimes once a weekend because he normally plays twice a weekend. And uh, that's going to be a good talk. I want to, I want to go over a few things like... Um, what that's like, maybe some ratings talk as well. I, I like to go over some of those things um, and just get to know him a little bit because I feel like he's a name that more people should know for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, Schwebby's the goat. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, obviously he's not the greatest player of all time, but as far as winning, um, nobody knows how to win or nobody's won more. Uh, Here's a stat for you. I'm sure that we're going to talk about this later, but did you know that Schwebe has won 39 tournaments this year? What? Yeah, save that for... 39 save, tournaments this year. Save that for the year. Right, we got internet. more. We got way oh more of that stuff. I, That's unbelievable. So crazy that you 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 called me up and you said, hey, man, Brody's in Hawaii, yada, yada. I already knew where you're going. Super happy to join it, and then you told me that Schwebby was going to be our guest, by the way, he's not Brian Schweberger. He's definitely not Brian. He's Schwebby or Schwebel Schwabels. That's all I've known him since 17 years of knowing this guy. But, um, I actually randomly talked to Schwebby for about an hour before you called. So I like already have these things dialed up, ready to go. Um, but one of my favorite people on the planet, definitely a guy that I've been calling big brother since I've, since I got into the sport. And, um, I've known him since basically the second tournament I ever played. So we go way back and super excited to be on the show. Talk about it him after
0: today. Brian, which is going to be a great interview. We're going to actually have another awesome Who's player that? on Connor O'Reilly will be joining us as well. And that's going to be an interesting topic. Cause I want to go over a few things about the tour. I mean, this guy is a national tour winner. So an elite series winner and struggled the last couple of years. And I want to know what that's like kind of on the tour coming out of it you know this guy's a hard hard worker i want to kind of dive deep into his mentality because he's not the type of guy that gives up and uh we'll dive oh, into no. that and then uh we'll do some listener questions and then we'll get out of here but germ what have you been up to man offseason stuff talk to me
1: uh i don't really call it offseason it's you know there's so much planning that goes into the next playing season i just call it the non-playing season um Earlier today, I heard that James Conrad's doing a no-throw November. I don't know how I missed that, but I think that's hilarious. And I also think that it's uh, mentally a really smart thing to do for a touring player to give themselves a little bit of a break. Um, But, uh, you know, I haven't been playing that much disc golf, honestly. I've been really busy with, uh, you know, well, you had your wedding. And the following weekend, Paige Pierce and now Ayla Pierce, as she's renamed herself, um, got married. Uh, And then a couple weeks later, Jules and I were driving up to Philly for Thanksgiving. And on top of all that, we just recently came across an amazing opportunity that we are taking advantage of to move. And um, so we're going to be moving from a very small house that we live in right now to a house that uh, we can grow into. And has you know a nice backyard and a nice community. It's just west of um, Charlotte Mecklenburg City limits, so it's technically in Mount Holly. Um, but other than that, uh, yeah, we've just been really busy with that and preparing for that, so it's been consuming oh, I love that. all I mean, of my time. I
0: mean, we've talked about this a lot. You've never been a guy in the off season to like just go hard and train. You use it as that for the most part. I mean, you play, you play every single week normally in the off season, at least once a week something and play um for sure uh what is that what is that like mindset like like did you have you just always done that or like when you were a rookie did you play every single day and you practice for the tour and how's that gone for you through your career
1: i mean you know how it is it changes um so much when i first the first three four maybe even first five years of playing there was not a day that I could really remember where I wasn't either playing or putting or doing something to work on the game, because it wasn't just to get good at disc golf It's because I was so, I was such a freakishly obsessed with it, that there was nothing else that I wanted to do. Um, It consumed me in every single way. And as I've progressed through my career, my off season time is certainly not, um, not really consumed with playing as much as it is, planning the next season, but also resting. I mean, as m- my body ages, uh, I need the mental rest as much as I need the physical rest. And uh, if I want to perform the next season, I have to make sure that I'm not burnt out before the season even starts in February. So, um, but I mean, you know, w- with, with us, both of us, we, we have such similar um, schedules with, uh, travel and then we got practice rounds on Tuesdays. We got other things going on throughout the week. And then on top of that, we're trying to compete on the top level on tour. Um, you know, it doesn't really leave much time to do anything else other than play. So when the season comes to an end in October, the last thing you're really thinking about doing is going out and playing four or five days a week. Um, kind of lucky to get out and play once a week, even though for me, it's been a lot less than that lately. Um, I usually start ramping up the practice and and uh, really get myself ready for a tour come January. But um, like you said, man, the, the rest what period about, like, is playing so smaller
0: tournaments. Do you like? Is that something that you enjoy? Because that's like something that I I've learned in the last like couple months. Like I forgot that it's like my favorite. Like I just absolutely yeah. love it. I love yeah. going out, meeting new people, playing a course, putting that pressure on me or on myself to uh, you know play smaller tournaments. I feel like that's where I've kind of found the passion back in, in golf. I was feeling a little burnout after the season. Oh, I mean, it was like a crazy grind the last part of the season because of all the things that you mentioned, of course. But then I was like damn. on the bubble the whole time, and I was just stressed about like, oh, could I possibly make the tour championships and all this stuff? Once it was over, I was just like, didn't think about disc golf for a long time. I had the wedding, of course, so that helped keep my mind yeah, off right. of, off of off right. of things. But then I kind of made a, a vow to myself. I was like, I'm gonna play smaller tournaments this year just because it keeps me sharp and I don't enjoy practicing. Like I don't enjoy going to the course and just like playing casually. I'd rather go to a field or I'd rather
1: play a tournament, you know? Sure. Yeah. Those little those little tournaments keep you sharp. I mean, it's not it's not so much about the um you know, when we're playing on tour, like you said, you've got so many. Uh, things to think about. You've got tour points, you've got, you know, our rigid schedule. But when you play like a a local C tier or local B tier or whatever it is, it's just, it takes you back to the roots of what, what makes disc golf fun. And, um, I miss that, you know, so for me, um, I wish I played more of these end of season tournaments. Um, but I really do try to take that, that time to kind of decompress. That being said, I do have a tournament coming up in December that I've played every year since I started playing disc golf tournaments, uh, in Myrtle beach called Tupelo Bay. And it's just one of my favorites. Uh, this year it's unsanctioned, but it doesn't matter for me. It's a nostalgic tournament. You play the whole tournament on golf carts. Um, and uh, you just play with your buddies. You're not even playing with your division if you don't want to. Like you can play with whoever you want all three rounds. And yeah. so it's just a really fun tournament. And it just reminds me of why I like to play disc golf, why I'm still doing what I'm doing. Um, so I'm I'm there with you all the way, buddy. It's like those small tournaments have such, such incredible heart to them. And you get to see those old friends that you haven't seen in a long time right. that only play the, the regional scene. And I, I love reconnecting with those guys as well.
0: 100% have you ever thought about this because this is kind of fascinating to me, is like to kind of sit back and like think of the best players that we got like what are they doing right now you know what i mean are they really <laughs> sure. practicing because as a pro you know after all these years of course you you get an interview with somebody and i'll be like oh yeah you know i'm grinding <laughs> you know playing i'm in the gym kinda
2: <laughs> you
1: know what Not i mean really. like, like <laughs> kinda really. i am um, yeah like there's truth to it. There's some some but, people are, yes. you know, like, you know, Ricky's in Arizona putting right now on hole six at Vista. Like you just know that's Do what's you? happening. I think Ricky See, is. But that's, think that's what's Rick-
0: so fun about it is you can be like, I wonder what they're doing. And you think that about this person because of who they are. But what are they really, yeah. what are they really doing? Like Macbeth, you know I what know. I mean? Is he running on the treadmill sure. right now? Because like, those are some like. He's
1: running after a little, little baby. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, well, that's, that's what he's doing.
0: I called him or I texted him. Uh, uh, I think it was like last week and I'm like, Hey, you want to get on and play some Fortnite? And he's like, I I will, after I got to put the baby to bed and then I'm going to go run on the treadmill and then I'll get on. <laughs> and I'm like, was that a flex at me? Like, <laughs>
1: But I think that's really what he's doing.
0: You know what I mean? I think that's what they do. Yeah, sure.
1: I, um, I, I take I take Nick at his word on that. Yes, one. me too. Absolutely.
0: So it's like funny. Like I think about Calvin. Like what is like? How is he training? You know what I mean? Are, I, are these guys switching it up? And I of course you can go ask down them.
1: the list and. I would speculate with each individual one. I feel like we can have a two minute conversation and debate, if you will, about uh, what Calvin doing. I think yeah. I know that Calvin is probably not playing disc golf, but at the same time, him living in Tampa opens up the opportunity for him to go play anytime he wants. Yeah. Um, but what about our Northern dudes? Like what are, exactly. you Gannon, know, what are they doing? It's cold. What's over Kyle there. Clon- yeah. What's Canada. I think Gannon's putting in his basement. I think, I think yeah. Gannon's putting the work in, in the basement, but like, what is Casey white doing? You know, like it's a little bit cold in Massachusetts right now. I'm calling you out, Casey, are you out there playing? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, like today it was in the forties here in Charlotte. And it's like, I They're, actually went out and played. Those today. guys are
0: probably going to be so mad that you just said that.
1: <laughs> I, know,
0: I know. It's I'm 40 sure degrees here. It was hard. brutal. <laughs> Sun was out shining. I couldn't come out of the
3: house. So it I was, was a sitting by the fire.
1: 40. It was act to be fair. It was like forty nine to about fifty two. So and it was beautiful outside. Uh, I actually went out and played the um that horse course, that private course that Stan McDaniel's been working on a lot out there in Indian did Trail. No, I, just did. I did. I did. I did. I can actually take credit for it because I have played so few rounds. Um, actually, I was talking to Chandler Kramer today randomly earlier today, and I told him that I think since Maple Hills last round. I can count the number of rounds I've played on maybe oh, wow. this many hands. It's been, it hasn't been that many because I've been so busy. Um, but I, like I said, that will be ramping up. Um, but you know, I mean, I think that it's like at this point in my career, me not playing a lot, keeps my body healthier. And as long as I'm putting, you know, I'm, I'm still going to putting league every Tuesday night. Yeah. I got to make it out but, there again. Dude, you the Yuli Foundation was the, the I know. It, you guys were I know. literally set up yesterday. Yeah. Um I was and, out and, on a treadmill,
0: dude. <laughs> I can <couldn't...
1: laughs> That's what that's what Stephen Belair told me. He said, "Yes, yeah, Yuli couldn't make it. He's working hard. He's training for a 5K." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh-huh. that's,
0: that's hilarious. I think it's like uh but Here's here's another point cuz you brought up what about those guys over in in the cold areas like Michigan, Iowa, Illinois cuz there's a lot of great players from the from from those places it has to be a benefit it has to be a benefit to live in Florida, live in the in the Carolinas and to live in Arizona Espe- especially if you notice like this is what I'm thinking like Arizona doesn't have a ton of courses so the really good players that live there they all play together quite a bit. You know what I mean? And that can really help with I mean, your off season training of having two people push you or whatever. I remember Nico coming out to Arizona um, early in my career and us training together. And that was so beneficial because he was so much better than
1: all of us. And yeah. to be able
0: to play with him
1: the whole off season, 13, 2012, it was like 20, like that. yeah,
0: 2010, 2011, 2012, some, yeah. somewhere in there. Um, and I remember that being like fantastic and really helped develop my game because he was just so good at everything. Um, back then especially, and Mm -hmm. then even early on in my career, Corey Sharp, we would go. I would go to uh, Utah in the summer, and he'd come to Arizona in the winter for one full season, and that really helped the development of. Sure, there has to be like. In the off season, there has to be a benefit to being in a place where you can play and enjoy it. If it's 70 degrees out or 65 degrees out and perfect weather, you want to go out there and do something. You want to go play.
1: That? Exactly. Yeah, who would argue that? <laughs> yeah, it's the best. I mean, that's why that's why Charlotte has had such a high influx of, of people moving here. I mean, it's it does get kind of chilly. It gets to a point where you don't want to go out and play. You know, I mean, nobody wants to play in the 30s unless they're playing a tournament that they're like signed up for. Or at least that's just my privileged perspective down here in the south. But I mean, it's relatively. It usually stays in the high 40s to 60s. Yeah. For pretty much the whole winter season. I mean, 60 is pretty warm. Yeah. It probably stays in the 40s to 50s. But I mean, you know, that's fine. You know, there's no problem there. And if you live south of here, then yeah, you're great. Um, in 2013, when Garrett and I went to Arizona uh, a little bit before the season started, we we moved out there. Um, and like late January and we had all of February to prepare. Um, it was incredible. Like we got to hang out with you and mm-hmm. hang out with a B like a little young a B every once yeah. in a while came out. That was fun. Um, and, uh, who else was out there at the time? I mean, I think Ricky was living out there. Devin Owens, yep. Dave Felberg. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many great players out there in Arizona and it's crazy. Cause we have the same thing here. We have, we have, I could go out there Tomorrow, well, December first for for James Conrad. But we could have James Conrad, Brian Earhart, Kevin Jones, you, me. Uh, I, I don't know if Austin Turner is in town for the holidays. But like, we could have an insane group of eight players go out yeah. and play. But it doesn't. I don't know. For some reason, in Arizona, we actually did that. We actually yeah. got together out there. Um, it, I don't know. I haven't even heard from Kevin Jones this offseason. <laughs> no. I don't know what he's doing. With
0: Kevin Jones absent. <laughs> um conrad
1: <laughs> yeah, no throw november no, no throw November. <laughs> he's out there working on his wood shop man he's out there doing stuff i just I've not seen
0: some stuff, stuff on his instagram of him putting in some work building some stuff
1: you know randomly jules and i were at ikea two days ago and brian earhart uh james conrad's girlfriend jordan and Lindsay just came in there and we just shopped together it was just completely unplanned but that's the kind of stuff you have when you live in North Carolina, specifically Charlotte. Yeah, you guys are over there shopping
0: everywhere. at key, and James is
1: building it. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Oh, What's going what to you that? build
0: if
1: we're not shopping? <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy, man. Hey, what are you doing? What am I doing? Yeah, you asked me what I'm doing. Let's, a lot let's of catch What you
0: doing? A lot of treadmill, a lot of grinding, man. Out in the field every single day. No, I haven't been doing much. You know, I I have a. I've been trying to take I'm not doing no throw November, but I've played a couple tournaments for sure. A couple C tiers. I played a flex start C tier on Friday. Shot 968, got seventh place, yeah, got that's, destroyed.
1: That's what Josh told me. No, <laughs> so,
0: uh, that didn't go well. Um, <laughs> had a blast, though. See, that's a part of it. I was pissed afterwards. But I was yeah. One round flex yeah. C tier. And it got to the point where I got home and I went out and I putted because I missed a bunch of putts and Mm -hmm. I was angry. And that's what that, see, that's the thing that I need to push me is those little things. When I win, it feels great too. I gain all this confidence. When I lose, I have to put in the work to work on, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, uh, other than that, I've been golfing a little bit here and there. Um, playing a little pickleball on the side. I've been given a lot of lessons, uh, Every Monday, I give lessons. I've been working on all my projects and stuff. Um, I've been staying very busy. Obviously, uh, newlywed, so um, Sarah and I have been having lots of fun. We've been watching lots of movies because it has been pretty chilly. Uh, yeah, been playing Fortnite. So my off season is going
1: really good. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, I'm, I'm feeling like next season it's going to be especially with like having a new place to call home. Uh, I feel like there's going to be more of the, I don't want to go back home for a couple of weeks type of mentality, which yeah. I haven't really had in a while um, with having Jules in the RV. You know, we, in 2022, we were away from Charlotte for six months consecutive. I mean, I, that's, that's hard to do, man. I know that you, you're the road warrior. You've done that. For, basically your whole career. But the longest I'd ever been away from my house was three months. And that was tough. You know, like I love coming back to North Carolina and getting a quick recharge. But I mean, I'm adapted to not having that in the past. Um, but with this new home, I feel like I'm going to want to check back in and sleep on my, my new mattress every once in a while, get some charge, go back out there on the road. And then, you know, I think the RV will probably come out in late season. But I think honestly, the first half of the season, we're probably just going to be flying and driving the truck out to tournaments for a little while.
0: That's smart, man. Honestly, I, I like the I like, the, of course, selfishly, the fact that it, the tour is starting in Florida. I mean, that's a quick drive right over there for us. Oh. That's freaking awesome. Instead of, you, the know, whole, you know, I've never been more excited. I hate saying it, but I've never been more excited. Not starting in Vegas, not taking away from the stuff that Jeff Jaquard does with that tournament because sure. he's done a fantastic, fantastic the job. Vegas
1: crew. Of Incredible. course,
0: incredible but the whole process as a pro to get over there from where we live now when i lived in arizona it was the best case scenario
1: Julie, it's 32 hours 15 minutes from charlotte wow. to vegas i know that That's because insane. i've done that trip about 10 times okay it's not great yeah, obviously, you near Arizona, it's fine, but there's so many disc golfers coming mm-hmm. from the East Coast, and I know the West Coasters are probably feeling the same thing. But you've had it good for a long time. You got to drive out east this year.
0: <laughs> You're not wrong. Come I mean, on out here, Arizona, Vegas, then Texas was like a perfect start when I lived in Arizona, and then I don't sure. know, called in a couple favors to Jeff Spring and was like, "This ain't gonna work <laughs> yeah. for me, buddy." <laughs> I'm just
1: oh yeah yeah he likes that man he takes brabs pretty well honestly i was surprised <laughs> at how easy it was to get him to have worlds in virginia that was pretty that was pretty yeah, cool i know i know he never answers a call though ever he's never done that you know pre him becoming him becoming the person he, that he is now for the oh my god he answered right every away, phone bam. call dude we used to talk all the time yeah. and man i i i know exactly what is i've memorized his voicemail I mean, it's just, <laughs> I'll recite it if you want, but I mean, just take me for my word, dude. It's, it's, it's frustrating, but he's a busy man. He's getting stuff done. That's not taking anything. Yeah.
0: No, zero jobs. He has more important stuff to do than us.
1: I wouldn't trade my position for his ever. I mean, the, the amount of work that it takes for the tour manager or the, the tour CEO. I mean, what, what is he? That's The, the official maybe? title This. Yeah, whatever it is. I mean, he wears so many hats as that person. He really does. And he is constantly overseeing so many different things. He's shaking so many hands and working out so many deals and working out the logistics and like just keeping the whole thing going is just uh, not for me, man. That's not that takes somebody with a different set of skills. And he's the man for the job for sure, because he does a lot of hard work, makes a lot of hard calls.
0: What about getting into the important stuff? Okay.
2: Okay. This last week, you and I had a little, little battle.
0: Oh, and I wanted to bring it up on air because it's important. It's important for the world to know. Of,
2: right. Bring it up
0: of our fantasy. Yeah, our, of our fantasy it. matchup that we had this last week. Sure. Because we'll there's a lot it. of football. I mean, most people are football fans. They're listening to us because of obviously
1: we are disc golf of our football analysis oh but yes of course
0: i'm sure there's some people out there that know and are wondering how how that went between us now that i mentioned it didn't go it.
1: very well i i will show you the score of our game yeah that we played first the first game that we played see if we can get a zoom in on here that is uh really blurry. 200 yeah so it's blurry. it's pretty clear <laughs> I'll just read it out loud for people who can't quite see that. Uh, Jeremy Colling, aka the Hot Dog Bandit uh, scored 215.95 points and InvisiD which is Yuli's name uh, was 145. So it was only a 70 it's point beatdown. down. Uh, very recently as of, as of two days ago Yuli returned the favor mm-hmm. he wasn't very kind but he beat me 181.95, coincidentally, just like me, to 136. So you beat me down by 45 points. Yep, Not yeah. nearly as bad as I beat you. I still beat oh. you by 30 points for the season.
0: You know, through the season, you got to build. You know, you got to build a team. You got to coach your team. You got to, like, uh, trudge forward, you know? Sometimes your your players don't mm-hmm. listen, and you got to get... You got to get more discipline, and, and you got to bench him. You got to bench the bench. You got to bench him. No, that, that was fun. Well, matchup. What about your Panthers? What, your Panthers It was not good. fun.
1: It was a blast. Nothing about this season has been fun with football. Let me it's just go so ahead fun. and say that it has been an, all right, look, uh, some people make fun of me for having multiple teams that I root for. Um, I am a Panthers and a Packers fan. Um, I was a Packers no fan, thing, dude, there is such thing, and I am – a. hold on a 2nd
2: freaking going to say this right now. It's so stupid. Uh, what is this, Yuli? That's a
0: half-Jersey, half-Panthers, half-Packers.
1: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's exactly what it is, Paul. And that's because I am a half Panthers. Well, I'm full Panthers and I'm full Packers. But when the Panthers play the Packers, the Packers are dead to me. I'm a Panthers okay. fan through and through. Okay. So you're, so that's, so that's, that's you're where a my Panthers region. fan. Yeah. I'm a Panthers fan and I root for the Packers almost as much. Like near, like 99.9% as much. But All right. I got a question.
0: Out of yeah. all the disc golfers. Go in the world, who would you think would be our best shot in the whole entire disc golf world to make it to the NFL? Is there zero?
1: Zero. I no, mean, but who's, like, I get, I, it's
0: not zero. Cause who has the best okay. shot? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Like, obviously there's uh, nobody even close.
1: Well, Kevin Jones and uh, Chris Dickerson both played collegiately. They were both kickers, which Those two, for being kickers, that's the only answer. Yeah, like maybe, maybe Sullivan Tipton as a kicker as well. Yeah, Uh, because he was athletic, and I'm pretty sure he played soccer just because I look at him and he looks like a soccer player. I got Um, I got one. Okay, that I
0: that I was so surprised about, and then I found out that he was just an absolute savage, and that is.
2: You know who it is. Played in high. Uh,
1: Played football collegiately.
0: Maybe it was either collegiately or in high school or something, and he was like broke all kinds of
1: collegiate football.
0: No, he played like a. He broke like records.
2: Really? Yeah.
1: I mean, I look. I I will give some credit to Big Tap. Do you know Big Tap out there? Mm -mm. He plays pro now. He used to play college football at UNC. Um, he could
2: have, he could have gone pro, but I don't know who you're talking about.
0: Let me. I'm gonna pull up his stats because I looked them up once. So keep talking about something.
1: Okay. Well, I can't keep talking because I'm hearing an echo. Okay. Now it's gone. Okay. Good. Okay, my bad. Um. uh Let's see. I. Wait. You're not sure who it is. And no, I do. Look I'm looking
2: up?
0: up the stats.
1: Oh, you're looking up the stats yeah, 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 specifically. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, man, I the only thing, only position that I could see anyone that's a current disc golfer playing would have been, um, would have been somebody playing quarterback. So, like maybe one of the, the, the Wolf brothers could have played quarterback. Oh, that's a good uh, call. I mean, you 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 saw me before I had my shoulder injury. I could have probably played quarterback. Um. Oh, for sure. You could hung throw the ball. I was thrown at 60 yards on a tight spiral, but I mean, my mom was scared to death of putting me in the football program, so I played soccer growing up. Um, but I still loved playing catch of the football, and that actually helped me a lot with disc golf later on in my career with the Thummer. Um, but I can't think of anyone, man. you got to help me out with this one.
0: I was stalling because just... the name is literally a blank in my head, and I'm lying the whole time. <laughs> I'm trying to look them up. I wasn't looking up any stats. I was just... It can't be, I'm not, I'm not a liar. He, 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 what here's what's so he, he I consider him a friend. admitted to it. I, I consider him a good friend, you consider him a good friend, and I can't remember his name, dude. That's how old I'm getting he, right now. Is he sponsored? We know him so well. If I say it, I can't even say it, because if I say it, it's, I ruin my friendship with
1: him. Oh, so now you know who it is. No, or I know, you think who, you it know who it is. I can't
0: bring the name to my stupid brain.
1: Oh, but even if you could, you wouldn't because then it would ruin your friendship yeah. with this person. Yeah. Dude, I, for, I forget i forget your name sometimes, so mm-hmm. it's all good. Yeah, I mean, I forget everyone's name a little it's gonna bit. It's going to come to me. I can't believe this, dude. This is so bad. Descri- can you describe him to me? I,
0: I, if as soon as I describe him, you'll know who is it this, is immediately. Is this
1: bad podcasting or is this good? <laughs> I can't tell. This is just podcasting. <laughs> It's I'm pretty sure. It <laughs> yeah,
0: Brody leaves and Paul goes blank. That's what happens. Okay, I'll just okay. describe him. Here he is. He's the okay. It's not Brian Earhart. He's the other guy who
1: does all the interviews on the pro tour. Nate Perkins. Yes, Jesus, man. You. <laughs> Your way of describing this person was, it's not Brian Earhart. <laughs> I couldn't think of his name. How is this possible? I've known this guy for ten yeah. years. That's you know what I I completely that that should have came to me too because Perkins was in line to play uh, football I think at Tennessee um, yeah and then he ended up not doing that by the way UNC is playing Tennessee in basketball and it's a complete thrashing right now we scored sixty points in the first half in case you guys are wondering that's a good number of points to score that's really good man sixty points in the first half is big. Number right. 10 team in the country, Tennessee, is.
0: Silas, how, how uh, close are we to ha- being able to have Brian come in here? We're good? All right. Now that uh, I forgot everything about all my friends, I'm going to bring on all right. <laughs> another good <It's> friend. Ridiculous.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. Isn't that ridiculous? Another good friend. <laughs> Schwabe. I'm not allowed to call you Brian Schwabe. <laughs> well, if you,
4: if you call me Brian, I won't answer
0: Okay. <laughs> all right. Schwebby. Welcome People to the show, man.
4: Name, <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks for having me.
0: We kind of did a little intro before this when we began the show, but um, I think the winningest player of all time.
1: Oh, there's no thing. Uh,
0: abs- well, I wasn't sure because I knew him and Elaine King had a battle for who it was, and I think you probably passed her up last two years ago. Is that right? Yeah,
4: I think it's a Point where they had the thing at the Masters World in Tennessee in 2021. I think I had already passed her. Okay.
1: But yeah. you guys guys are on a battle. You guys are in a battle to be the first to get a 300 wins.
4: Yeah. See, Elaine was there way before everybody actually knew because they didn't have some of her wins from back in the past and the. PDJ was going through all their archives to find out all those specific oh, wow. wins to get to this point, you know?
0: But but now we're to the point present, and you're still playing. germ, germ brought up the craziest stat ever. 39 wins this season. Is that correct?
4: Yeah, it's been a really good year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <unbelievable>. God. <laughs> but 30, 39 out of 50 is not too bad.
0: Well, the stat, the stat that I think is also incredible is how many tournaments have you played, period? Uh,
4: it's, it's over
0: 600, right? Or is it 700?
4: It's over 700. It's close to 850.
0: Close to 850 tournaments. It's,
4: I want to say, say it's like 845, something like that.
0: And when did you start playing?
4: Like for, uh, my with my the first PDGA? Tournament was in, first tournament was in, I think, like February of ninety-eight.
0: So February of 98, has that just been Brian Schweberger? Have you just played every single weekend and that's just what you have always done? Or have you kind of like grown into this is just what you do?
4: Well, no, not in the beginning. Definitely not. Cause I was still had my regular job. I was, I was, I was working 12 hour rotating shifts for a pharmaceutical company. So, um, I, I could only play every other weekend back then, but <clears throat> And then when when I went on tour in two thousand and two, I don't know. I think I played mid to high thirties as far as the amount of tournaments played. Yeah, um, I did that for four or five years. Then got a a job a, t- a temporary job for a year. It happened to be the year that I finished second at USDC. For, and I mean, so I was I was still I was working full time then, and still ended up playing. Still played really well. Didn't play that many tournaments that year, but. I just uh, played well when I had
1: to. Not many people probably know this, but uh, you were actually pretty close to winning a world championship back in the early two thousands.
4: Um, well, I mean, I, I don't know how close I was. I mean, it, I got third in at the Des Moines world's the best worlds ever in 2004. Um, yeah. The only, the only people, two people who beat me were Kenny and Barry. I mean, Arguably, Not bad. two of the top four players of all time. I mean, but I was in pretty good company. But yeah, it was. Uh, and Steve Rico was right there as well. I mean, he and I were tied going into the final nine, and we told him we were like six, we were like seven or eight strokes behind Barry and Kenny. So we we just said, "Dude, let's try and put on a show in this final nine for everybody." And it was it was it was pretty nice. It was it was a pretty good time. I think everybody had got to see a bunch of cool shots.
1: How long What about you- the season? I'm sorry. sorry. I, I just wanted to follow up with the, the Worlds yeah. thing because wasn't there a season where you were leading and then you got injured or something like that? Or wh- what happened with that? I'm confused. Well, that was a
4: 2003 Worlds in Flagstaff, Arizona. Right. Uh, Barry, well, me, Billy and Brian and Barry, we always hung out together when we were on tour. And... We went into that worlds we got there like two weeks in advance and we had so much practice time in and there was a lot of over-the-top shots just to play safe to get up some of these new fairways that they had created on the on a couple of the courses. And I had I had high expectations going into that event. Um and unfortunately we got started getting hailed on in the middle of the first round on the snowball course and it was 11,000 feet up. And there was like 25 of us and the tournament director, Dan Gilling started getting people into his truck and toting everybody down the mountain because there was going to be, I don't think that they were going to finish that round that day. And uh, so me and Carrie Trotter, we were the last two to come down. And so the cab of, his, of Dan's truck was full. So Carrie and I just jumped in the in the bed of his truck and started and going down, just got started going down the mountain. And, I think Dan was going a little bit too fast when having two people on the bed of his truck, he hit a bump pretty hard and I started flying out of the truck and I stopped myself from falling out with my right hand and jammed my thumb and it swelled up two, three times the size and I had to drop out. Dang man. Yeah. I, uh, I, I had high expectations and very shot, like I think it's like twelve or thirteen strokes worse than what I had totally hoped to shoot on on just playing how I practiced
1: so dang yeah. it, Dan <laughs> Dan Gily <Yeah, laughs> uh... i' you
4: know, had to, I've had to drop out of three or four worlds just from getting being injured. <laughs>
0: Well <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean <laughs> the biggest tournaments ever you play 850 <laughs> tournaments and then the ones that you have to That's drop crazy. out of are, are the world championships but let's fast forward so um how many years did you tour like full time as far as like with uh your crew you know going off and touring the country
4: uh, 2002 to 2004 we had we had our had my RV and we traveled in that together 2005 I still did all the national tours. I just traveled on my own or with um, Burl and Val and uh, Courtney, then McCoy. Carrie
1: Burlogger for those who might not have the, yeah, Carrie Burlogger used to be a big name in the sport. Yeah,
4: we did a little uh, team spirit because the the RV was a spirit. So we were team spirit for, the first little bit of the west coast swing of the 2005 tour. And uh yeah, that was a uh, that was that was that year was a lot of fun. I mean, it was I hit all the big events. I think I finished I don't know, fourth or fifth in the national tour points because the national tour was the tour back then. Yeah. And uh I think I then that same year I got I, I had I won the PDJ points title. Yeah, that was a, so That's I got awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I got two apples. I got one for the sportsmanship award in two thousand and two, and I got the, the obelisk for points.
1: You guys both have one of those, right?
4: Yeah. Well so yeah. you really should have yep. one.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: I got a few of the points for sure, and I got a sportsmanship award as well. I don't know how they gave that thing to me. <laughs> <laughs> good for you, man. I'm kidding. Uh, so now let's get to the to the nitty gritty, man. The this the thing that I'm so impressed with is that 300 over 300 wins, 39 in the season. I mean, way over it, 300. Yeah, but I mean, that's a good starting point. It doesn't matter after that, right? I mean, it's the most out of anybody.
4: Uh, I'm at 388, so I only have 12 to 400.
1: What? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Way over 300, dude. I should have looked <laughs> yeah, this up. Dude. That's un. That's He's- unfathomable. It really is. He- there's four weeks left in the year, and he's going to get to 400 by the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Dude,
4: like three months ago, people were saying, "Are you going to be able to play enough tournaments to hit 400 this year?" I said, <laughs> it's said, "No, there's not enough, there's not enough events." Because I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of the flex start events. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a, there, I have a lot of opportunities to play them around here, and I just, I just don't. Um, I wish they didn't count towards the overall records
0: where does it come from like the drive to play all these small tournaments because i mean i've had conversations with brody over the last like month or something and and i've mentioned that there's there's a lot of tour players that kind of dodge the smaller events um for sure i know i know that to be fact what drives you to play Every single weekend, is it just passion for the game, or is it? Are do you, you goal oriented? Is it like, no, I want to be the winningest player of all time, and that's why I, I do this, or like, where does that because as many tournaments as you've played is remarkable. Like, where do you get time? <laughs> and the,
4: you know <laughs> well, what I mean? It's my job. It's my job. Yeah. I mean, I, I deliver pieces Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday every week. Just, just still so have something to do. I don't know why they go, go stir crazy.
1: But uh, yeah. Sidebar. Sidebar, Cali chicken bacon ranch on thin crust. I mean, that's it for me, dude. I can have that all day, every day. I love that <laughs> pizza. Anyways, continue on.
4: <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, I just, I love competing. I've always, I've been a competitive person my whole life. Um, Division one tennis player. So I played tennis growing up, played baseball before that, played volleyball in college, played tournament volleyball recreationally. I was one step below being professional in that, playing two man and three man tournaments on the grass and then saying Didn't know that. Um, yeah, I just uh, I just love competition. It it just I mean I don't I don't even have tournament nerves anymore. I mean, people say you don't yeah. have, you don't have that that nerve, nervous feeling anymore. You shouldn't even be playing anymore. But I just, I, I've just done it so much; it's just,
1: in in better than the main. I mean, the say,
4: whole one, one US tee shot. I still get nerves, though.
1: They, they okay. say that um, that uh, marathon runners um, actually have a lower heart rate while running than they do um, in just everyday life. And that's just because there's that they're just geared for that. That's what they're built for. It sounds like you're just built for playing tournaments and more specifically, winning tournaments. Like that's your that's your natural comfort zone.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's just I I I tell people so many times, winning's
1: addicting. (laughs) Yeah, I've never known too expensive for me.
4: (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) Sounds
1: second place literally sucks.
4: Second place literally sucks. (laughs) Well, how many second places do you have? Uh, I guarantee it's more than anybody. Uh, it's cl- it's getting probably within twenty, I think, of two hundred second place finishes. <laughs>
0: it's so mind blowing. Well, what yeah. about so you say you don't get nerves, but let's but you said USDGC hole one. Well, what about going and playing the big masters tournaments? Like, um, you know, I, I know that you won the Tim Selinski. and that was a major championship for you guys. Did you have nerves there coming down the stretch uh, or was it like, Oh, Nope. This is like a S- Sunday seats here for me.
4: Uh, Burlington. Playing, playing, playing age protected golf is so much more fun. I was going to ask that people question. Your own age. You're, you're playing your own, you're playing with people, your own age. You can talk about things that happened in the past, not disc golf related and have conversations about it. Uh, it's just, it's just, a, it's just a different animal playing, playing with folks you're on age. Sure, now I'm 50, so i I got three different divisions I can play yeah. in now. So.
0: Those guys are getting sick of you in that division, I guarantee <laughs> <laughs> oh,
4: well, you. I'll be, I'll be playing 40s for, for most of the bit now. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'll play an occasional open tournament. I think I played, I don't know, seven or eight open tournaments this year.
0: Is it Is okay? It, that was my question. You strictly play masters, or do you do you kind of hop from division to division p- depending on like payout?
4: It, 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 uh man, I don't really worry about payout. You it's said it's your job. Worried about payout? Yeah, but I was worried about payout. And I quit disc golf a long time ago. <laughs> okay, but, but I am going to hit twenty thousand dollars for the first time in my career this year.
0: Congratulations! That's that's amazing. That's hard
4: to do regionally. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure it is. I, especially I, playing I masters.
4: On tour. I, I never did that on tour when I was playing all the big events.
1: <laughs> I I can't imagine that anyone has uh, how many people have played nearly all masters and hit that 20k threshold. I mean, that's that's a really hard thing to do, yeah. especially if you're not doing all the big national. I mean, like maybe somebody came close to doing the national tour days, but I don't think so. I can't imagine. That's a huge number. Yeah
4: as a master's age player or playing master's tournaments
1: i'm sure johnny McCrae's so, uh, done it before after he was 40 yeah, but i mean yeah, specifically yeah, I with the regimen of master's tournaments that you're playing that's what i'm talking about
4: yeah i, I probably maybe patrick brown because he hits a lot of the big events yeah mm. uh, other than I, that i don't think of and i can't think of anybody else
1: did you, did you answer Yuli's question about a goal? Like, as far as, do you have like a number in mind? Uh, like, do you have yeah. like, when you think of like the shoe for the stars goal, what what are your goals as far as the rest of your career goes?
4: Uh, just keep playing. I mean, I want to hit a thousand tournaments. That's if I can just do between 35 and Fifty tournaments a year for the next, I don't know, two or three years. I should hit it, but it's all—it all depends on the health. What I about mean, the everything, w- everything as far as I'm going? It, it all depends on the health.
0: What about the wins? Like you talk about it, like like you said, it's addicting, and it's like this thing. Like it, there's no goal. It's just tournament to tournament, or or are you? Do you have your eyes on five hundred? Like is that something that you're okay. like, or do you want to be the winningest player of all time? Like you are.
4: Was. I, I, I think if I can stay healthy and keep on the same same path I'm going, uh, I won't be touched. And then, <laughs> yeah, no, you're I, not I, by I,
0: these
1: I, two guys. I I agree with that. Combined,
4: I will uh, tell you what, the way I mean, the way Chris Dickerson started off his career, I mean, he hit a hundred quick. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, now that he's on tour, it's so hard to win. So yeah. I mean, it's. If you, if you get one, one win a year on tour, you've done an amazing job. What
0: was what was more fun to you, playing on tour or playing regionally? And what's the difference?
4: On tour. On, on, on tour was definitely more fun because I got to travel the country because I hadn't seen the country. I wanted, that's one of the main reasons I wanted to go out. I wanted to see what the rest of the country had to offer as far as landscapes and just courses and the people. People are all amazing. I mean, disc golfing back then was it was really networking for a future. So I mean, anytime I want to go and play somewhere, I have a I have a, a plethora of friends all over the country that I can contact and have a place to stay, not have to worry about lodging.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely big it's like <clears throat> I don't know, man. I, I think of I, I think of today's generation and not thinking about the the legends beforehand that got us here. And I think about, for me, you know, Brian Schweberger, Michael Johansson, you guys are the ones paving the way for us that showed us how much fun touring can be and and gave us a, a good attitude to try to uh, emulate. And um, yeah, Sh- Schwebe, you honestly, man, just, you know this because we've talked a lot about it, but like, you've been my idol since the beginning. You've been my big brother, uh, you know, watching you play the way that you handle yourself, the way you laugh and have a good time with your card mates. It's, it's like, that's, that's what people should aspire to for sure. So that's just me saying. That. Thank you.
4: That's uh, absolutely. Hey, I another note, as far as that goes, when you were on tour in your first year or two and you were, I was hearing a lot of people giving you a bad rap about your attitude and stuff. And then as soon as you got home, I took you aside. I said, "Dude, you are not representing North Carolina very well. You need yeah. to adjust your attitude and
1: do better." And you can you can you know, hear that from some people, but then you, honestly, you got to hear from the right people. And absolutely. you know, when I hear things like that coming from you, it it makes me take a bigger look into myself. And I think that you know anybody that's known that knew me back in twenty ten twenty eleven and knows me now, you know, knows that you know conversations like that went a long way for me absolutely
0: do you are
4: you uh i don't, I don't
1: sugarcoat things <laughs> <laughs> no you don't
0: no, no. do no. you watch the the tour like do you watch um live or do you keep I up watch it all you do So you got a pretty yes. good pulse on what's going on out there how, how do you feel about the sport right now and and where the this generation um, is
4: I think it's absolutely insane the level of golf that's being played. Um, I th- definitely think it needs to be made harder. Um, the, the, I've watched so many of your broadcasts with, with Brody and y'all talk about the basket. The basket needs to be smaller. Um, fewer chains. Go back to the freaking Mach 2. Putting is supposed to be touch everybody's just blasting the disc into the basket and okay, you can hit, you can throw something really fast on a line. How about showing some touch putting is supposed to be about feel, not just brute strength into the, into the chains.
0: What about as far as the characters on tour? Do you like um, the superstars that we have and the way that they carry themselves? Are are you excited about Uh, disc golf moving forward?
4: I think uh, I think a lot of I would say ninety nine percent of the players are seem to be really good for the game. I haven't seen a lot of bad attitudes uh, except for the ones from the past that are still out there. But <laughs> not naming any names.
0: <laughs> Looks like Jerm's getting another talking to the next time you see hey, it. Whoa! Whoa!
4: Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I. I really enjoy watching the women. The women's game is so much fun to watch because as far as somebody at my level, they're playing the same style of courses that I would be playing. So it's nice to see how they attack the courses that I would be playing. Like when they, the women played the regulator in Burlington for us women's. And then I had already played it the previous year at the sneaky Pete event. It was a little a couple holes were slightly tweaked, but it was pretty much the same course. And then I, I caddied for Jen Allen out there, and she played amazing golf, and she won. And then I then I think two two weeks later, I played the Sneaky Pete and got to play two rounds on the regulator in one day. Yeah, I still played two rounds a day.
2: <laughs>
4: Not like these these these. Complaining tour players about, oh, I had to play two rounds in one day. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> yeah, go go hike around these courses and play twice a day, buddy.
4: Uh, yeah, no, these no, go, yeah, These go, are... go play two rounds. Go play two rounds on the regulator. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'm good. Support I'm spoiled, bro, and happy a... to be spoiled. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it was a it was a six mile walk each round.
1: Oh wow. No, yeah. no, 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 no. If I want to go hiking, I go hiking. <laughs> like I don't go play disc golf and go hiking. Yeah, yeah
4: and and that was after playing two rounds on that on the previous Saturday. So we played. I played a four round tournament in two days for a B tier. <laughs> and yeah, it was. Uh, that's 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 my life. You, I, like, I want to tell you. Much.
1: Yeah. I want to tell Hello. you something funny that uh, Schwebe told me on the phone earlier today. He he was asking me about my schedule, and he asked me if I had any free time. And I was like, well, not really. He was like, well, I'm just curious if you, if you might be interested in doing some art for me. And I'm like, well, I mean, what, what are you looking for? He's like, well, I'm looking for a stamp to maybe uh, do a commemorative for 400 wins. And I was like, but you're at 388. And he was like, yeah, I know, but that should come in March or April next year. I'm like, this dude is planning out (laughs) 11 or 12 wins from now. Like, you know how long I'd have to go back? No, for sure. It's awesome because it's actually like 99% true. Like that's when that will happen. And we can pretty much bank on that. You know, like Vegas would not take odds because that is going to happen. But I think it's funny because if you were like, Hey, Jeremy, what was 11 wins ago? I'd be like, I can't remember 2007 that well. I don't know. Like, it's like 11 wins, is it's a whole different, like, I was in my 20s, it seems like, and I'm 38 now. It's just like, that's just, you don't think of, of, of disc golf in terms of wins when you're on tour, but you can when you're regional and when you're a general badass like Brian Schweberger is. Yes. I thought you'd think that was pretty funny,
0: 400 wins is absolutely ridiculous. That's more wins, I bet you, than 90% of the people on tour. <laughs> like, there's probably, Not like, s- there's probably like 10, 10 guys that have enough. Like, these new players haven't even played 100 events.
1: Schwebby, Sh- yeah. who, who were the three people that we, Ezra Robinson, James Conrad, and who was the other person we did our skins match with in Asheville?
4: Me, you, James, and
1: Ezra.: It was just oh yeah, all yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, I'll, yeah. I'll, okay. yeah, yeah, of course. okay, so it's four of us. <laughs> I, I nailed it. Okay, all right, so if you took my career wins, James's career wins, and Ezra's career career wins, and you put them all together, and you multiplied those by two, Schwebby <laughs> at that time still had 70 more wins than the three of us multiplied times two. Like, it doesn't even, even make any in sense, April. man. And that was in April. That was in April, oh. the
4: day after my birthday. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and, he, and he's got 39 wins this season, so that just adds to the whole – I mean, it, basically, us times three is still less than Schwebby.
0: That's great. All right, Schwebby, two more questions. First one is, who do you, who's your favorite player to watch on tour? That's a good question.
4: It's a really tough question. There's so many fun players to watch. Give us a top uh, three.
0: Yeah, give it, Yeah, broaden it out. And, and my last question that you can think while you're thinking of this, who do you um, relate to the most as far as your game goes? Like you look at the modern players and then you're like, hey, that, that guy's kind of like what I got going on.
2: Well, there's
4: no modern players that play like I do. I, agree with uh, that. I, can't, I, I can't even say Jake, well, because he's all overhand and side on.
1: Yeah. No, there's there's nobody like Schwebe.
4: He's like, and he's like ninety five percent overhand.
1: Gotcha. Terry Gallops was on pace to becoming a Schwebby like player, but
4: Terry, Terry, Terry Gallops is probably the closest player to me as far as, Robin and he's names. just getting back into it. Yeah, I it, saw that. And but, he had another 1100, another play with an 1100 rated round that probably nobody knows.
1: I remember. That. Even when I was throwing thumbers, I my thumber game is so different than Schwebby's that like, and I mean, there's yeah, not many people on the court. I'm I'm over the top, and I'm like long distance guy. Like Schwebe is like, if I got to throw a corkscrew right down the middle that stays in a a three foot wide like fairway, like Schwebby's just pulling out his old whip it, pulling out his old eagle, pulling out his old firebird, like whatever he's got all sorts of. No one does it like Schwebby as far He's as I've thrown I'm
0: 10 ever. <laughs>
1: yeah. It is funny. This is a true
0: story. The, first, the only time I've ever thrown one in a tournament before this year and last year went backwards in the final night. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was, I was like, I had this bush in my way. It was in Oregon. I'll never forget it. I was in Oregon playing some final uh, night. And uh, there was like a ditch and a bush in front of me. And it was super windy. It was like a headwind. And I'm, ooh. I get this one, I've seen you guys throw it. First, you get it all knifed up like this, and it cuts through the wind, and you look all good. And I'm like, oh, I could definitely do this. Throw this thing up, gets flat, shows the face, goes straight backwards out of bounds, <laughs> like eight feet behind me. It was the most embarrassing moment of my life. Oh, I boy. I never threw one again. Sorry that happened for you. But <laughs> you know what? I've birdied whole four at Maple, Maple Hill, Hill yep. like a bunch yep. of times in the last two years, throwing the Thumber down. Yep. I yep. haven't hit the gap once. It's all, I miss every time, <laughs> and it somehow gets through all this stuff. I'm like, this is the reason people throw Thumbers. You don't even have to be accurate with this thing. It's just slices it and so, dice. It
4: was, it was so funny during the, com- during the live commentary at Maple Hill this year, they were talking about uh, who who's, somebody was throwing a Thumber on hole four I said, "Wow, I don't, I'm, nobody's really ever done that here." Said, and then I, I texted Philo or somebody else who was do a commentary, and because I, uh, I made made sure they read it. So I did it a couple times. like yeah, I've been doing that shot at Maple Hill since '05. Oh wow, yeah, because <laughs> I mean, it's that's a really tough gap to throw that straight touch shot, and even back then it was it was probably a little tighter because some it, everyone was off.
1: doing that this year. We got Calvin doing it. We got Macbeth throwing the thumber on that hole. Uh, yeah, so many players are. Yeah. So many people are doing that now. And it's like, it, you know, there's something about like a player like you, Shwebi. I feel like I relate to you a lot. When you throw thumbers, the way that you throw them, you craft them. You know, the stability matters to you. The way the disc comes to the ground matters to you, the way that it collects and skips and all that. You're calculating these things before you throw them. Because it's the thing that you do the best and no one's done it as well as you. So you are the the master of thumbers as far as I'm concerned. When I was throwing my forehands, I was throwing them with the intention of getting the disc to hit the ground and match the, the, the plane of the ground, the slope, the speed, and all that was very important to me. And I considered it an art form. And then, you know, I start playing with Ricky Waisaki back in 2011. And this dude's throwing overstable firebirds. He's throwing them fast. They're coming to the ground. They're crashing. And the next thing I know, our discs are next to one another. And it's pissing me off because I'm like, all right, I'm trying to craft this like, like a Da Vinci. And this dude's coming in here like Jackson Pollock, just splattering just <laughs> the disc anywhere he wants. And we're, we're both selling our paintings for the same price. In fact, his are going for a lot more. But... You Know, well, I, well, I appreciated this PD2s and destroyers and firebirds and everything, man. I mean, yeah. I, I it, it it was just annoying uh, to me, but I always appreciated somebody like you who didn't just throw the high speed, fast thumber. You know, you really did have touch with that with that throw, and it was always an art. I've never thrown a thumber with a high speed disc, they're, they're all too flippy.
4: Yeah. So, who are your favorite players? Have you thought about it? So, well, yeah, I've been trying to think about it. It It's tough when we're we're mid conversation. So, but I mean, I I gotta say, definitely like I always like watching Coriolis play because with that small run up that he has, and how much power he, he generates from that small, compact throw is just absolutely amazing and. If you don't enjoy watching a putt, you don't watch. You don't like (laughs) watching disc golf. Right. That's right. Um, Oh, my God. So good. Yeah. uh, I I mean, I really enjoy watching Vinny play. The the low-line drive bullets he throws for 550 are absolutely disgusting. And when his putt's on, you can't beat him. Um, And probably... Kristen Tatar. How just could you say anyone else? Died, died, just the way she dissects courses and makes everything amazing, really. Just makes it really look really simple. Yeah.
1: It I it's hard to like when I watch Kristen Tatar putt like these pressure putts, the way she makes them is no different than first round hole 3, like it's the same intensity, the same focus. And you, you can try to emulate that all you want, but actually going out there and physically doing it is just another thing entirely. And she's one of the most clutch players I've ever seen in just the last two seasons. If we just take those last two seasons, in that in that short period of time, I think that she's developed uh, a portfolio that is m- maybe one of the most impressive clutch performances I've ever really w- witnessed.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't. The That's thing about her cool. putt too is it doesn't. You're saying it doesn't change as far as her mannerism doesn't change, change, like it's the same. It Goes in, yeah. It's pretty, and it's a perfect. It's a pro. It's a pro speed. Like it goes in the way it's supposed to with touch, like you were saying, Brian.
4: Yeah, I've I've watched her play so much. I could, when she's putting, I can tell when it's going to be well. Every single time, it's just something in her form at the last second i can tell every single time that it's mm. going to be low.
0: yeah isn't that fun like when you're watching a player and you can kind of see kind of notice you're like you oh, just know yeah oh, this no. this ain't oh, going no. in
4: yeah that's oh, I, if, if if tour coaches could be afforded i would love to get into so many players brains
1: we're not far it, off it, man it, it,
4: it, it would be. I could fix so many things that are so simple to fix. It's be I'll
1: be calling you
0: right after this podcast, my man.
4: I Schwabe, caddies for me. One on one. I only do one on one. I do not do clinics.
1: I'm caddies for me at a. Oh, just for him?
4: Yeah. Oh, I do. He can help you, man. I watched you gain fifty feet of distance with other dude. That that was that was sick. Thanks, man. That was
0: sick, Um, Brian. We got a uh, couple more minutes, man. Do you have any sponsors you want to thank? I know that uh you only—is it true you've never thrown a another disc besides the end of a disc? With was his I right heard? hand. With his right With hand, like right so. Hand. With so right even hand. if <laughs> you're like, "Hey, will you? will you toss me that disc, like toss me a plastic." It's <laughs> left-handed back every time.
4: <laughs> That's
0: hilarious. Never throw another disc. So it's another. so That's petty. Loyalty. That is loyalty. It's so it's petty loyalty and I to who? love every Try, second of it. If you have any sponsors you want to thank, man, this is the time, buddy.
4: And I'm a champion, baby. And my new sponsor this year, uh, Blockhouse Disc Golf and Country Club, in Spotsylvania, Virginia. Man, if you've never been to the Grange, you gotta go. It's it's different. It's 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 the best place on earth for for disc golf experience uh, it's got two great top level disc golf courses and it's got the best tiki course of all time i don't think it's even close oh jeez is, it, is it the first tiki oh, i don't know if it's the first tiki but it's might little, as well be 24 7 365 so you can play at any time of the day the world record for for disc golf holes played in a day was was done on that course Man, it's just an amazing piece of property, amazing people, and it's back. This year is the first year they had an event. It was awesome to play again.
1: First ever 1100 rated around, Brian Skinner 1117 on the dark side at the Grange. Or at the Blockhouse.
4: Excuse me. 41 was absolutely disgusting.
0: That place is special. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Brian, we appreciate you coming on, man, and sharing some of the the history of the sport, the history of your game, which has gone back for for so long, so much winning. I mean, there's is—it's just fascinating to think about how many times you've had to gone go. Unfathomable. How many times? If last question, because it's just crazy. How many times have you had a putt to win a tournament? Like, is it over? Like, and I'm saying, like, it's one stroke, or you're tied, and you have to make the putt. Like. Oof.
4: Do you get nervous then? Where, 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 where it came down to the last putt, I want to say it's probably less than twenty times. Wow! Where, where it was the last putt that I locked it out, or I had to have it to win it.
2: Yeah,
4: yeah. It's not not as many as you think, because I like to think that I play well enough where I can put it mm-hmm. to bed before the last
1: hole. And that includes all your playoff wins and all that. Cause I know we've had a, you've beat me in a playoff before. Well, no,
4: I mean, I don't, I don't I'm not telling the playoffs cause I've been in 37
1: playoffs. This guy knows everything, dude. Unbelievable.
4: And, and, well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a stat freak, dude. I love stat Mando. I am such a big fan. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've messaged him, messaged him a couple times just just to get random things. And they, and they do it for me. And I was like, that's so cool.
1: Dion's but, uh, the best, yeah. man.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my, my my one thing that I do in every single playoff and I learned this from Larry Leonard because he was the first playoff I ever had. He offers up, let's split the money, let's play for the win. Every single time. It's been turned down twice to me and they both lost to me.
0: <laughs> Love it, man. Well, there you guys have it. The most winningest player of all time, Brian Schwaber. Thank you so much for the absolute pleasure. Hey
4: hey, hey, I got I got a pet peeve for you. Oh yeah. Peeve oh, it up. what wonderful. is it when i when i'm on the t-box and i'm supposed to it's my time on the box everybody's supposed to be quiet somebody's digging in their bag for the disc that they're going to throw and i can hear them they're just digging in their bag i can see going through the disc going through the disc oh man it's so frustrating <laughs> that's a great when I, one. It, I, I when i hear it, i i I've done. I've had to deal with it so many times. I just back off. Don't even look back because I don't want them to know that they were mis- <laughs> they were <laughs> they're just being noisy and they don't even realize it. It's just something that they do all the time. But yeah, that's that's my biggest pet peeve right there.
0: That's a good one. I think that's a pet peeve of mine too.
4: Appreciate you having me on, man.
0: Thank you so much, Brian. See you, Schwabing. Yeah, Go. I yeah, I snuck in that Brian. <laughs>
1: well, he didn't he didn't respond either. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's... That's true.
0: <laughs> but isn't that crazy how many wins that guy has?
1: It's un, like it's it's unfathomable. Like I he can't has... even. I would have to live to the age. I would have to not age physically, and I'd have to live until I was three hundred and seventy three years old to get anywhere close to that. At the rate I'm going.
0: Yeah, unbelievable. What a pleasure. Uh, you know what? We have uh, Connor O'Reilly sitting by. So one of the things I want to do, I wanted to get a little perspective from somebody who's been playing forever and then a fairly new player to come on as well, and that's Connor O'Reilly. Connor, welcome to the show, buddy.
1: Can you he hear me? There he is. Is he here? Connor. Hey. What's up, you guys? There he is. Hey, let's go, dude.
0: It's going, man. How are you doing? How's the offseason treating you, buddy?
2: It's a little slow for me. Can you hear us, Connor? Silas, you want to
0: work with him on, on fixing that for a sec? All right, buddy. Well, while we have uh, our producer work with Connor to get that fixed up, um, Connor O'Reilly, national tour like winner, he's... right? Yep. hmm How many
1: Big years time. ago was that? Three years? Uh, yeah, it must have been because there wasn't a national tour in the last two full seasons. So, Well, maybe yeah. he's back.
2: Can you it's hear us now? now?
1: oh brother
0: this is just tour man, life man this is you, the way this is the way that it works I'm so, man
3: i'm sorry i'm, I'm so, <laughs> man i'm in austin texas you think there'd be some bougie some bougie connection here but i guess not <laughs> can you can you hear us <clears throat> i can hear you i'm not hearing germ right now
1: that's rare because I, I i talk a lot you hear that <laughs> I
3: hear you, Yuli. Oh boy.
1: All right, well you're just going to have to pass all the questions down can to Can you hear
3: me?
0: I can hear you perfectly fine, yeah. Um it's okay. it seems like we might be on a little delay, so um we'll just have to pause for for the questions and everything. But first one was just how are you doing? Where are you at? What's going on with you? Off-season time.
3: I'm doing good. I'm I'm back in Austin right now, kind of stationed with my mom while I'm not playing tournaments for for a little bit. And uh, I played a couple two events after I got back from tour, and now I'm kind of just hanging out, doing a lot of vlogmas content right now, getting that ready. I just filmed day eight, seven, and eight today, so trying to. Get, I'm doing 25 different courses, so one one course each day. So no uh, that's that's a lot of hard work and a lot of time editing. So I've been doing that. I've been giving some lessons and stuff. And,
0: Oh, love it. Love it. So part of the reason I wanted you to come on is Ryan, Brian Schwaber. I don't know if I got to see him. That was uh, fascinating. Been around yeah, I got for, to check forever, out. winningest player, you know, of all time ever. His perspective about like playing and stuff is so cool. What about from somebody like you who just kind of came onto the tour and found success really early at the highest level? Um kind of winning out of nowhere and then the follow-up question is now that you've had a couple years afterwards what is that like you know it seems like a little bit of a struggle the next couple years where's your head at what's the mindset right now
3: yeah like you said I mean early on when I found disc golf I really kind of viewed it professionally and really tried to approach the game that way I kind of always was upset that I didn't pursue basketball as hard as hard as I wish I had until I kind of lost it and really realized how much I truly loved it. And uh, I've got a little brother who plays overseas. He's in his, his sixth season right now playing in Poland. And I don't know, I feel like that regret was something I lived with every day. And once I found disc golf, I kind of like really clung to that. And I, don't know, I started really working my tail off and being out of Austin, having uh, Mason Ford and Brad Williams to kind of compete with week in and week out at some of these tournaments. I feel like I was able to almost get like tour level experience in a way, like some of my battles with Brad got real intense. And so like some of that stuff, I feel like really got me ready for the tour. And uh, I don't know, I feel like when I am working the way I want to putting in the the work every day that I feel like I should be, I feel like my game is right there with anybody. And uh, like you mentioned, you know, came out, was able to get that win and then second season was kind of up and down a little bit. This season was definitely rather rocky. My focus level just wasn't great. A lot of kind of personal stress I was bringing onto the course. And I think I'm going to have a lot better situation going into next season. That's going to allow me, I think, to rededicate myself to the game. I mean, I've been dedicated, but just taking that, that next level that we all know we need to be at the top in a game that's as competitive as, as disc golf is right now on the NPO side. And uh see I feel good about where I am heading into next season. I think my game physically is as good as it's ever been. I I mean, I'm now about to be in my fourth year. Does that mean I'm I'm kind of considered a vet now? I feel like I know the courses. Hmm. I know the tour life now. And it's not like a a curveball for me anymore. So, I'm just I want the season to start like today. I'm I'm just so excited to to get it going. What
0: what is that what is that like like going through the struggles? What like give me a little bit of like where your mental state is or, or was as far as like when you're in the trenches, cause I was, I dealt with it as well. Like being in there and it's, it's so hard to claw yourself out and it can be a billion different things that are hitting you at once. And you, and you think that it's just like practice or this or that or the other, but it's all situational. Like it could be stuff at home. Plus this, plus the people you're hanging out with. And then it all adds up to just bad play. How do you personally sift through that stuff to try to find your way out of, of that place?
3: Yeah, and for me, it, yeah, I mean, I felt like I was kind of going on the course, I say, like with six bags on my shoulder almost. And as soon as I felt that mistake, as soon as I wasn't on the hot streak that I know it takes to, to get a taste of that win on a tour, it's like everything kind of changes a little bit. Like that's, that's the standard we all want to hold ourselves towards. And obviously it gets harder and harder every season. And especially this season was, immensely tough to get a win but yeah I think just continuing to try to hold myself to that high standard and I don't know if if I put in the amount of time that I feel like I I need to and make some of those sacrifices in my personal life to put in that time almost kind of that Kobe Bryant mentality where you know a a lot of things do kind of have to take a back burner and it it does feel dehumanizing at times in a way but at the same time I I have such a passion for disc golf and I really I love this game and I want to like be the best player i can be and i know when i'm playing focused physically i have all the shots i need i i have a a good game planning mind and i'm i'm a very critical thinker and it's just a matter of having the position just to go out there and and let it happen and feel free and i think yeah i mean i think uh i feel as confident as ever even though i think a lot of players would probably feel a lot of sh- a lot of a uh, kind of adverse feelings with the season that i had last season um but I just know the game I have and, and how hard I'm willing to work to get myself back towards a consistent level of play.
0: Yeah. Did you, um, w- were you one of the last people to get a touring card for next season?
3: Yeah, I think I was actually possibly the last, the caboose. I think I might've caboosed <laughs> it. So I slid on in there. I, yeah. Cause I, I was uh, looking
0: at the standings. Cause I really wanted to have somebody who was at the border you know what i mean of of yeah. of that kind yeah. of pressure and um coming down the stretch of your season you know you know what i mean like yeah. it's kind of like a do or die thing what is that like kind of battling for up not just like getting cash every single week but having a way to get back on the tour for the next season that's something that you know i had to i keep saying i had to deal with it but that's why i want to talk to you because i don't think people realize how tough it is you're playing bad to pull yourself out of it and i've always said this too last there's no pressure like last cash pressure there's just not yeah because you're coming down the stretch this is the way i explain it coming down the stretch you're not playing good even though you're fully capable of playing great golf and the people around you normally are a lower level than you but they're playing good Right? They're playing good to get into that spot yeah. to where they can get the last cash. <laughs> so you have these guys. That's who are, a whole
3: nother layer on it. That's a whole exactly. So there's these
0: tryhards, fist pumping like 20, 30 footers. <laughs> and you're sitting there like, I can't do anything correctly. You know what I'm saying? And you're battling somebody who oh, really man. just is out there. Like, this is as good as this person might've played and they're building on this career that they're making. Uh-huh. You know what I'm, I'm saying? Like, those are things that go through and you have to somehow find a way to dig deep to overcome and get a last cash. Like it is hilariously hard.
3: Yeah. And I, I want to say you really inspired me this season, seeing how you, how you battled back and really finished the season strong. And I really, I really see that. And I, I think that's a, add a little stick to my fire, but yeah, no, I think I always tell people, when we get more resources on the tour, a super exciting little mini series will be that cash line just, showcasing all the yeah. variety of players that are fighting for cash every week or, or whatnot. And yeah, I mean, I had a lot of times this season and in, in like where I was like, he said fighting for my disc golf life. It felt like where, you know, two years ago, I come on a tour, my first season on tour, don't play great, but I prove at a tournament that, Hey, I, I held off Ricky in a strong field with, you know, Calvin Dickerson, Matty O James Conrad, you name it. Like a lot of really good woods players. And, um, kind of having that success early and then not being able to find it. I feel like even added more stress on my mind as well. And just like you said, you know, having those weekends where, you know, you can play so much better, but you're just letting those mistakes stack up in your brain and not having that resilient mindset and that learning mindset, instead of letting yourself kind of be self-critical to a point of the detriment. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a battle and it's, it's a, it's, it's a different thing. And I'm just thankful to have kind of got through it and have that, As I got towards the end, I felt like there was kind of that breath of air, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, okay, I've only a couple more tournaments. I just got to buckle down. Like, I got my USDGC spot, the last available opportunity at Maple Hill, and I I didn't even play great, but I had some flashes of good golf. And then at US, I was kind of like, all right, I have two weeks to prepare for this event, and this is going to be like, I feel like how I can kind of get myself some momentum going in the next season. And I played my best US that I've played in the four years that I've been there so far. I uh, had a chance to go to top 20 finish if I birdied 18 after almost a pristine drive, like one flat landing zone right before that uh, little drop zone. And then I just made the fatal mistake of missing inside and then missing long on the second and taking a triple, which was just like a bit, it was such a bad minute, but I still got a 30 second finish or whatever. And I was right there knocking at like top 20, which, you know, when you're right there, you know, you're a couple holes away each round from being in the mix for the win and that's the place that I want to kind of find myself at. and I know I can find myself at when I just am focused on the shot and keep my visual focus locked and don't let my mind drift.
0: Yeah. And that's a great point is 32nd. Listen, it is fractions away from a top 10 and top 10 is fractions away from being in contention. Actually top 10 is kind of in contention most of the time with how tight these fields are. And so like that was one of the things that, i really struggled with was i was used to just being in contention all the time being in contention top tens were just like oh oh dumb this is a this is every single weekend and then got to the point where i'm like in 32nd and i'm like 32nd is bad and i had to flip my mindset to be like 32nd is great what are you talking
3: about? Like it's different it, nowadays. It's not it, the same as it was. Hundred
0: percent. Like. The tour is completely different. Like a thirty-second place finish is damn good, and you better be proud of yourself, because if you keep beating yourself up for good play, that's where you find yourselves in the in the complete dumps, losing confidence over good play, and that was something that I really had yeah. to, to switch. You know, Jerm, Can we hear you yet?
3: I, Man, I want to say I, I love you, big German. I'm sorry. I can't hear you. It's all. Do you, know.
1: <laughs> Connor, can you hear me at all? Can you hear me at all right now? No, nothing. Nope. Put the blame
3: on me. I'm gonna tell everybody. This is my uh, hey, it's my It's a fascinating conversation. Uh,
1: uh, but yeah, if you have any questions for him, you can shot, talk
0: Michael. to me, and then I'll tell him.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all I have to say is I've, I feel this whole conversation about last cash pressure, um, and you can just tell him, man. Like I've been I've been living that that train for the last two three seasons, three seasons, and it's it's such a different switch for me, and for any player who's used to like what you're saying, Paul being in contention. To to finding this new position where all of these new players are coming up, it's uh it's hard to appreciate this you know the the fact that you're not in top ten every week like you once were. But you know you have to work as you get older. You have to work twice as hard just to, to keep the same spot. And we don't really have the the time. We don't. That's that, that's not really a luxury that, that either one of us and a lot of these players have anymore.
0: Yeah. So Germ just basically said you know, part of, part of it is tough too, because of the jobs we have, you know, you were just talking about your YouTube channel and doing vlogmas. And I, I, and I know you do a lot of things on tour too, from commentary, just like us to, uh, your YouTube channel, like I said, and then keeping up with social media, keeping up with the sponsors. If you have your sponsors, you want to do a photo shoot, this, that, and the other thing, all that stuff adds up and, and, um, part of it is it's what, you have to do if you want to be successful in this game at this point in time, in the juncture that we live in. Like there is for me, there is no other option. Like if I don't do all these things, then I won't be a relevant player. And that's not an option for me. Like that's never been an option for Paul. You that, that won't be a thing. I want to be a household name and it is a selfish thing of me, but I will do whatever it takes. If it's the social media, if it's the commentary, if it's this, that, and the other thing, I enjoy it but I also that's who I am now. You know, I'm a professional disc golfer that, and that it has brought the,
3: the day. How, how can you really give to, to other people? You know, it's like, I feel like to truly give your, your best, you got to like really fulfill yourself. And so I don't think it's selfish. I think that's, that's what you should want, Paul, because this is our job and this is what we want to do the best job we can at. And yeah, like, like Germ said, it, it is a lot I'm trying to uh, juggle all those things. I did FPL commentary to all the elite series. I did, um MPO commentary at all the silver events this season. And uh I don't think I'll continue that FPO for next season. I think that was a little bit much. I just wanted to kind of have like a resume building year in a way. Yeah. Kind of get my commentary feet wet a little a little more and kind of show get a little more of a body of work out there just for, for the future, you know, as I mean I'm thirty one, so realistically I wanna push my prime for another five, eight years, but who knows, you know, depending on the luck you can have and you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best to take care of myself and try to, and try to push that prime but and like I said, it's a, it's a lot of work like for me a full day that i want to take every single day to like get myself ready is gonna i mean it's 10 to 12 plus hours of work depending on the day it's it's waking up getting to the gym for that hour making yourself feel good about yourself and then hitting the green maybe for a half hour and then you got your three hour practice round probably another maybe half hour then I've got, I like a recovery routine to get my body kind of ready for the next day. And that's, that alone is going to be seven to eight hours, 10 hours with eating and travel time in between. And then you mix in the social media, the editing and stuff. It's, I mean, there's days are, you know, you can work 16 hours, but I think yep. for me, I see such a golden opportunity in disc golf, especially right now, like you said, like all the players who are pushing away that extra work, like you're pushing away the money, you're pushing away the fandom, you're pushing away, allowing people to see you as not just a disc golfer, but a person. And that's how they can connect with you a little more in a way often. And uh, I think it's important for every player to put their character out there and just people are going to find ways to relate to you and it's going to endear them to you. And I think every player should be striving for that. Otherwise, you're going to kind of get lost in the sea of players that's continuing to grow.
0: 100%. What, what things are you going to work on going into next season? Because what I, what I see every single year, Dude, it used to be if you got like six birdies in a row, like <laughs> now it's like, <laughs> like that's the norm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's cr- what, like, what are things like for me? I want to work on pretty, like I feel like that's something as a as old man can go out there and work on. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to bust my butt and get to the field and do all these things. I've done that for a long time. I'm just looking at, Simple little improvements, simple little improvements. What about you? I mean, coming into this season, is there like a specific thing?
3: I think putting is definitely a big thing for me. Circle one and two, I need to to definitely grab a couple more percentage points in both of those for the season. Throwing-wise, I feel like I've always thrown pretty consistent. When my head's on straight, I feel like I've always kind of been one of the more consistent throwers off the tee, and I think that short game – not having that attachment to whatever the stroke is, just committing to that good committed stroke every time um, I think circle one and two are a big, a big focus for me this off season. And for me, I think building that consistent, a consistency weightlifting, like now that I can really keep going throughout the season. So I don't feel like I'm kind of off and on with it. And then I'm like, Oh, you know, I didn't work out last week. Do I want to work out right before the tournament right now? Am I going to be overly sore? And I, I just don't want to have that dilemma at all. I just want to be, make sure I'm, I'm consistent with my routine that i feel like i need to be the player that i want to be because like the time is now disc golf is you know it's only going to continue to get more and more cutthroat as we go and i think you got to front load your work otherwise you're gonna you're gonna get lost
0: you have somebody that like uh you're able to relate to on on tour like i've been lucky enough to have um big germ in my corner you know we do commentary every night and we struggle together man we've had a couple bad years together and at at night man sometimes we're both grumpy sometimes he's grumpy sometimes i'm grumpy (laughs) but it's 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 good to have that that person there that can completely relate with you you know what i mean i think that's something that i never told him that i was thankful for but i am very thankful for that he just didn't turn into an absolute superstar and leave me in the dust I appreciate.
1: <laughs> I, pre- I appreciate you hanging out in the gutter with me,
0: man. No, no, but, for, man no but no, but for real, you know, is there somebody out there like that? I mean, you see familiar faces when you're w- waking up early. <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? And you be like, yes. yes. Like, it's the truth. If you're oh, always man. teeing
0: off at two o'clock, those guys see those guys all the time. You go warm up. You're putting together. You're throwing in the field together. When I went for half the season it was the same dudes and I'm like you know what I mean it's like it's like different crews that you end up hanging out with in the morning is there somebody that you were like able to to kind of take that tough journey with
3: Yeah that's a that's a really good question I'm trying, from afar I feel like I've always kind of related to you guys in a way I, I your competitive, competitive spirits and the way you guys are just kind Of doing everything in the disc golf sphere, so like from afar, I've always kind of absorbed and related to you guys a lot. I feel like even though I'm a lot younger in the game than both of you guys, um, but yeah, trying to think about someone who stands out. Um, man, I mean, me and me and James definitely have Conrad have a good relationship to where like we have a lot, a lot of those come, but I know he, he had a lot better season than me, so <laughs> he was definitely a lot more kind of pitying me. In my life. <laughs> I damn. Um, but uh yeah, and those I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to think in those mornings, I mean I feel like a couple uh, I feel like Linus, you know, and me and Linus had had some mornings I feel like I'd see him out there, we'd really be talking a bit and uh Yeah uh i'm trying to think who else i don't know i don't want to throw anyone under the bus yeah don't 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 look at the rankings and look at it (laughs) like this is my it's like
0: okay (laughs) grab your buddy for the rest of the season
3: (laughs) i mean being Connor Rock kind of became buddies in a little bit i guess because uh he was kind of in a similar range to me and you know naturally having the same name as someone who just it's something you can't it's just a sticking point that, that yeah. never really leaves you. It's weird.
0: Yeah, you know you me know and Macbeth like, too. One of many how calls. that how
3: that worked out.
0: We're always hanging up there together <laughs> at the tap. <laughs>
3: oh that's um, I, hilarious. I've always loved uh, both of you guys are able to kind of balance some of that self-detrimental humor that I think you have to you almost have to be able to do sometimes, otherwise you're just gonna lose it and you're going to be a person you don't want to be. So I think sometimes it's easier just to talk a little mess about yourself and bounce it off. And It's not funny. I that about both of you guys.
1: When, when I talk crap about myself, it's 100% <laughs> serious. There's no humor <laughs> there. You know, I, I don't made know a, a backhanded compliment. <laughs> I, I made a post
0: actually recently about that, about how self, like in the past I've definitely been like very self-deprecating in, in certain areas. But I also think that it's like a social thing that I do, because the people who really know me like like you guys you guys know how overly confident i am in every aspect of everything and as you gotta be and it it sucks sometimes for me in social ways because i don't like giving that edge of like no that like you know what i'm saying and so being able to make fun of myself has definitely helped me to relate to a lot of people um even though deep down inside, when I talk bad about my game, that is not what I believe. sometimes I do believe it, and I think it came maybe from some of me overly doing that, you know overly self like degrading myself, and I had to get away from that for a little bit to be like to start putting it in the universe of like no, I'm not a bad player like that is not a thing. I am not bad at this i'm i am I'm not going to do this, I'm coming out of this and I'm going to be a winner again.
1: Your body um, does not understand sarcasm. Yeah, and I think is, that is important, and I think it is good. Okay. If you find yourself, if it becomes a habit, I think
3: it's definitely important to, you got to correct that. And like you said, I, I kind of relate to that a lot where I do the self-deprecating humor, but you know, when you hold yourself in a certain level of confidence that you almost need to be a, a top-level athlete in whatever sport you're doing, it has to be this level of confidence that's almost unrealistic to a lot of people, and so I think that's hard to handle. And so I think, like you said, that is a kind of a, a mechanism to fit in a little more, or what am I, whatever. Well, it might it's be. one of
0: the biggest things that I see people even say about me is they're like, "Oh my
3: gosh, this guy's so cocky, like
0: unbelievable." To like, keep talking about yourself and blah 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 blah, and it's something that like it's That's most arguably of the,
3: your greatest strength though, on, throughout your career. I, I would say, you know,
0: right? Like I think you hit it on the nose. It's it's believing that you're you're something different. <laughs> you know, like I'm just built different that way. Yeah. It's as I get older, it's easier to just,
3: if you've never told yourself you're built different when you're on that little streak, like
1: come on, (laughs) yeah, give it to yourself. If if you aren't, if you aren't saying those things, if you're saying what everyone else is saying, then you're probably going to be doing what everyone else is doing. And if, and it's not that just what you say, it's what you believe. There's a reason why, you know, the people who are on tour are on tour. It's there's a difference between them and the other people who are at home, who can judge all they want, but they're judging from yeah. from the stands. And you, if you want to make it in any sport in any profession, you got to believe that you are the best suited for that. And 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 you can tell Connor this: the the whole your body doesn't understand sarcasm thing is something that I you know I was told that this year, and I think it's it's something that I'm, I'm gonna really I love that. try to implement in 2024 because I say these sarcastic things to myself and then I believe it. And I I don't mean for myself to believe it. I say it sarcastically, but my body doesn't understand that and then I start getting upset with myself. Yeah. And not believing I can do it.
0: Yeah. Did you hear that Connor? Can you hear me, Connor?
3: No, I I like faintly hear German in the back, but... Okay, he
0: basically said that your body doesn't understand sarcasm. So when you say things, it just believes it. And um, I I think there's so much truth to that because, like I said, as soon as I stopped saying that stuff and I started putting the good things out there, people were looking at me like I was crazy. And, in, in fact, Sexton told me this. He's like... I have to give you (laughs) props because you told me that you were (laughs) going to switch your season around. And, you know, I was looking at you with the side. I like you're, you've lost your mind, but that, but that's the thing. Like I'm, I'm over that part, part of it. I'm trying to be better at that, that self-talk to the viewers at home too. Like that self-talk is so important. It's so important to tell yourself that you're, you're good enough. It really is.
3: I mean, like you mentioned earlier, with the way we got to streak those birdies together, you have, if you're not building that positivity in your everyday life and just compounding on it every day, it, it's hard to find yourself in that flow state. You're you are going to find yourself with more distractions or whatever it might be. Yeah. You're going to let little things affect your, your mood more. And I think, yeah, I feel like luckily I feel like being an older player, as you guys know, I feel like I have good emotional control and that's something I feel like I can, take advantage of or or some of the kind of youngsters we got out on tour. Yeah.
0: For sure. I mean, like you said, four years, but 31, man, you're going to be a veteran here before you know it. And the tour is becoming so young. I mean, so young. Like, uh, what is it? Like 16 to about 20 is, like, I feel like the average age for the best players in the world right now. And then there's a few anomalies up there
3: that are trying to hold on. But before – before the final round of USDGC, I'm warming up. I meet this, this other Latitude kid, Yalmar Fredrickson. I'm like, oh, how old are you? The kid's 16. I'm about to turn 31 in like three days. I'm like, oh,
1: "Yalmar is 16?
3: Right. <laughs> that's, that's different.
1: Oh, my God. I can't believe Yalmar's 16. Whoa. I, that I'm dude's going to be nasty.
0: I'm not surprised anymore. Every time I meet somebody new, he's like, yeah, I'm f- I just assume they're 17, 18 years old. 19 20 (laughs) something like that 22 23 it's all young to me but it's crazy how young how young everybody is and how talented that our game's really get really getting
1: if you can't buy a scratch off lottery ticket i don't even want to talk to you (laughs) jerm
0: said if you can't buy a scratch off lottery ticket he doesn't even want to talk to you
1: that's the way it is i'm sorry
3: right like i I mean we're in that we're one of those sports where like there is no age restriction you can it doesn't matter how old <laughs> yeah. you are you can play which is definitely an interesting interesting thing
0: well moving forward what do you got what do you got planned for next year everything all the same for you or
3: got any no i actually got a I got a little announcement i got a hat on that i can maybe turn around that I might uh, yeah I let's know. see it well, I will be actually throwing some Texas-made plastic. Ah,
1: nice. a you know, Texas Moore,
3: There you have it. Kind of coming home. Going to be playing for Lone Star Disc. So super excited to announce that. It's a Tour Life exclusive. So happy I could <laughs> bring it in and let it out. That's awesome. That's our first ever Tour Life exclusive.
0: Yeah. Dropping the big news. That's right, Terry. <laughs> yeah. Take it,
3: Terry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: congratulations though man that's awesome for sure what what is
3: that
0: i mean what does that feel like what does that change for you how do you feel like moving forward with them
3: it feels good i mean i'm already finding a liking for a lot of the discs and and i think just relationally having someone that wants to work with me with media a lot more and uh that's something i've always kind of put myself out there like i'm willing to do a lot i'm willing to do pretty much anything someone wants to do for me or like to do with me promotionally. And, uh, I like, I like being in front of the camera. I like teaching. I like just putting myself out there. Like you said, taking as many opportunities as I can. And I think with them, it's going to be a good partnership for being able to kind of be one of the, the forward faces of the company and kind of work hand in hand with them to try to grow the brands together.
0: Especially being from Texas, that's going to be really easy for photo shoots. That's what I always think. Like, the closer you are to your sponsor, like it makes everything so easy <laughs> yeah. germs. Lucky he's got, uh, Anova across the street from him. Basically, I got to fly to Michigan, but, um, <laughs> you know, and then, and then it's like that hometown feeling too. You're going to be able to like spread the word of the, of their company in, in Texas. And I'm very happy for you, buddy.
3: Yeah, no, I think there's appreciate you guys. Ian. Yeah. I mean, they definitely gave me that family feel kind of, right away and I know like you know everyone regardless of whether you want to or not everyone has a little bit of like pride for some kind of thing and a lot of people in Texas have that state pride and I think people in the U.S. in general I want those U.S. made products and you know knowing it's coming from right here I think it's three hours from where I was born I think it's kind of cool and it was the first time I got to see the, the disc manufacturing process which that was that was kind of neat too. Oh that's cool. I know we all have that dream you're going to get the bus wrapped
0: what's the new what's the new wrap going to look like
3: yeah i'm definitely going to get the van rewrapped. and going to do i'll probably stick with kind of the clover theme i think it's just an easy easy marketing thing with my name yeah. that just kind of stuck and you know big germ big germ is a marketing thing you got you too usually so you guys uh, you guys understand sometimes you know it, it just works too easy you got to take it i mean what my first <laughs> nickname i ever had disc golf wise was big irish so People just <laughs> coattailed off a big germ and like this guy's large and he throws forehand good <laughs> and you know it's something Big Irish. <laughs> That's a great. Nickname. I kind of rolled with it, realized it was going to be one of those I things. It. I couldn't. I couldn't really, so. Hey, can that I give my, you like, some advice? And I remember I reached out to Big Germ if, if you.
0: Yeah. Oh, keep going. Keep going. Sorry.
3: Uh, so I reached. If you look at Germ's me and Germ's Instagram DMs from year, a couple of, like years ago, I reached out to him. Hoping he would like make my first logo for me because I knew Jerma's into some of that stuff and I think he just ghosted me and rightfully so. I mean, I just I got lost in the inbox. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> lost in the
2: shuffle.
3: <laughs> are your, Not are, the your
0: only one. are your clovers right now three leaf clovers or four leaf clovers?
3: You know we gotta go to the four leaf. People love that that disc golf look. You know, right, people good. say there's luck involved, so you gotta you gotta rock with it.
0: Perfect. That was going to be the advice I was going to say. Get rid of the three-leaf clovers, but you got to <laughs> smother those four-leaf clovers everywhere, yeah. dude. I got so, uh, yeah. um, what do you call it? Superstitious. I started picking four-leaf clovers, and then I started playing the worst rounds of my life. And so <laughs> oh, I started. Somebody told me to eat one once, and I'm like, "Okay, I'll eat it." I ate the four-leaf oh, clover, me,
3: dude. It was probably me with the wood swirl. I've told so many card mates on tour, there's this little, like, it's a three-leaf heart-shaped clover. It's called wood swirl. It has a lot of vitamin C. They used it, like, back in the day on pirate ships because it held longer than, like, a piece of fruit, but...
0: Okay, so uh, no, I never guy. ate...
3: I've been teaching people. I never ate that, <laughs> oh, you, you but I you found... an actual clover? Yeah, okay. so I
0: ate the, clo- the four-leaf clover, thinking it was going to bring me good <laughs> <All> luck. Worst <laughs> round ever. So then, oh, I man. got so superstitious that now I find the four-leaf clovers, and I just let them live. Because I'm like, now I'm That's like... That's what you're supposed to do. I can't kill this four-leaf clover
1: and expect it to give me good luck. This is you gotta leave it for someone else to mature find it. that's the whole point and
3: appreciating life and all of its forms i like it
1: yeah i still haven't
0: found the good luck afterwards but hey you know what i mean <laughs> that four-leaf yeah. clover is lucky that i didn't chomp it down
3: next time we, we card up i'm gonna I'm have you try some wood sorrel it's pretty much everywhere it tastes i'm like down a
0: lemon. i'm a pretty picky eater well not so picky actually right germ but i'm a pretty picky eater
1: getting better <laughs> <laughs> All right, can we? Can I know that Connor can't hear me? Yeah. Can you just tell him that I'm going to go on a tiny little yeah. rant? Jeremy's so going to go our on a rant Can real, hear
0: real quick about me. Right.
1: Okay, so <laughs> Paul Uliberry says that he is not a picky eater. That the people who have a wide variety of tastes are picky eaters. Now, the reason that he says this is because he doesn't have to go around picking different things off the menu. He just has his favorite item. The rest of us who have a more vast uh palette, if you will, have to look around and they have to be picky because they're picking different things. The, it's the stupid things like that. This, this is the, the type sense. of confidence that Yuli has that he can deliver a dumb message like that and truly believe it in his head. That's the level of confidence that he has. It makes sense. Okay, anyways, that's it.
0: You guys are picking and choosing all kinds of different stuff. I just like a select few things. Perfect. I'm not picky at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's so dumb.
1: Oh, it's funny. It makes my head hurt. It does not.
3: <laughs> I, well, Connor, I heard that classic germ rant, but did
1: Yeah, uh, you're uh, lucky,
0: buddy. Just watch the show back. You said you're still going to be doing right. some commentary next year and stuff. Also, plug your YouTube channel for vlogmas for sh- absolutely for sure for people out there to get some more content on the good old tube.
3: Yeah, no, we'll be doing 25 days, like I said, 25 different courses and. Throwing the new plastic as well, so it's kind of been fun learning that as I go. Already had some some metal hits off the tee, so you know we're we're getting close to that first oh. that first Lone Star Ace already, and I think uh, yeah, it's Connor O'Reilly on YouTube, and there'll be six pretty big giveaways on the first day as well as every fifth day after that.
0: Yeah, do do us all so, a favor mm-hmm. and go over there and. Uh, thanks to
3: Yuli for having me and.
0: Definitely subscribe to his YouTube channel without a doubt. Also. Hit a like on this one. Make sure you're subscribed if you're watching um, the tour life. Uh, and you're welcome, Connor. I interrupted you again because that's what I do, and I apologize. Now your floor is yours, big guy.
3: <laughs> that's our setup right now. <laughs> no, man. Well, yeah, no, I just want to say thanks for having me on. I know Brody's off enjoying himself in Hawaii, so hopefully he has safe travels back. And uh, big germ, sorry I couldn't hear you, man. I, I love you, and I hope you're having a good off season and. Yuli, uh, yeah, like I said, you've been an inspiration to me in a lot of ways, and just uh, uh, I see so many good things that you do that I want to learn from, and I uh, just appreciate the opportunity to come on here and share the new signing, and it's uh, it's been exciting, it's been fun. I appreciate
0: the kind kind words, man. I really do. Nothing but the best for you. Good luck next season. Um, let's la- let's wake up a little later, huh? How about it?
3: <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh cheers cheers to that brothers
2: all right buddy all right dang them,
0: connor dropping a heater right there offseason yeah, movement
1: man. yep it looks like latitude uh, latitude is in the middle of a rebranding process um And, uh, a lot of the, uh, North American latitude team, um, they're moving to other places because they're trying to, I think, do a dynamic discs in the North America thing and maybe latitude in Europe. I could be wrong about this. This is just my speculation. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at all the, the best latitude players, um, you know, they're, they're moving to other places. So, um, but you know i'm you know they've got a great product um i think that disc golf is in great hands right now with all the different manufacturers competing for market space um but i i you know when when you see things like innova uh working with discraft at the usdgc you know for a long time there was some bad blood between those two brands and now that they're working together it's it's you know it's opened up the doors for for other uh uh, partnerships that are just amazing for our sport. And, and, you know, for a long time, I thought we all kind of felt like as players, like, this is kind of petty, like let's get past this so we can work together and grow the sport. And I think that we're, we're, we're getting to that place now and it's, no, it's cool to see.
0: And that makes sense for them to k- kind of do that. The market space in the U.S. I mean, is just kind of exploding with all these new companies, every, everywhere, no everybody making all kinds of discs, mm-hmm all over the place yeah, there's room
1: for everybody to flourish yep. man we got a lot of new players coming in the sport and um and, you know there's there's just so many different ways to make a circle fly and in, and in, in cool unique ways and um you know there's obviously the mainstays you got the innova and the disc crafts and you know we can we can throw latitude in there because they've been around long enough now but like these new companies they're worth checking out yep. as well because they got different feel of the plastic different feel with the putters and you know, it's 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 cool to to be a new player in the sport and and this uh in this day and age because there's just so many new things you can try out and you know you can find out what what Without works best that, for I you. I mean, look at what MVP's been able to do over the last few years. I mean, they
0: they absolutely totally. exploded yeah. and they did it with um some good branding, getting this you know <laughs> some really great players and the most popular player that we have
1: right now. I feel like behind probably Mac- hands down Macbeth. Uh, Simon, I would say Simon's the more popular player. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is Macbeth still, but you know, Simon is just, I've
0: heard, I've heard that before. I've heard people say that Simon's more popular than Macbeth, but I don't think that that could be possible. I think inside maybe the sport, but when you look up, let's say you're just a casual disc golfer, you look, everybody's looking up who the best player is or blah, 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 blah. And Macbeth
1: has to be the most, I guess, well known. Macbeth moves the needle. Yeah. He moves the needle. And I mean, but I think there's one player that's the most popular and it's Kristen Sitar. I think she's the, she has got to be the most popular. Like how the, the thing is, it's like, you know, Simon, um, Simon is like one of my favorite people. Same. I love Simon, but the thing is, Simon is, uh, He's a bit shy and he doesn't necessarily want to do a ton of public things where he has to go interact with people. He doesn't know. And that's just like one of the things about him. And that doesn't mean that he's any less yeah. popular, but there's like, there's a thing that maybe that might irk somebody if they're meeting Simon for the first time, because they might not be like, Oh, that's the Simon that I know from YouTube. That's a different Simon. Cause that's a Simon that I see out in everyday life. And that person might not live up to the person that you might think that they are right. That, that whole point is, Kristen is exactly who you see at all times to any person, anytime she's the sweetest human being I've ever met in my life. She is incredibly, she's an incredibly good sport. She's now uh, the sportsmanship award winner to the 2023, which she deserved a hundred percent. And, and on top of being the best sportsman, she's also the best player and she's got an incredibly marketable product through and through all the way. And um, yeah. So anyways, I mean, well, the sports yeah. in good hands for a long without long doubt, time without
0: a doubt. What do you think as far as like Brody and I've been talking about movement the last couple weeks. Have you heard any whispers?
1: Oh, I got whispers, buddy. I I got I got my little minions looking around bringing information back to me all the time. What do you got. But I, I... I, I can't share oh, that. That stuff is no. You on. know that. You know. You know that. There's just little, little things here and there. You know. Um. You know people who are, you know. Uh. I'm gonna let them announce that on their own time. You know. It's not. It's not for me to say. You know. Like I. There's. There's people who I don't know. Uh, where they're going, and I could speculate on those people, but the people that I've got a better idea on, I'm yeah. definitely not gonna break the news. I was trying to get yeah, um, you into know, a boo boo, but. <laughs> not All not right. today, buddy. we got some listener questions that. i'm gonna look up
0: here, man, and then we're gonna get we're gonna let you get okay. to bed um, let's see here, yeah, this will be a good one okay would you two meaning you and I consider going to the Australian open? I believe it's in perth uh,
1: Absolutely. yeah, consider it uh yeah i mean i I've got um oh where's my uh Dang it. I think I brought my stuffed animal over to the new house. So I'm still in the house that uh, Jules and I have lived at for a while and I've moved some things over. But one of the things that I let that I did bring over was my stuffed wombat that was given to me as a gift because they felt bad for me that when I went to the Australia open in 2017, I was sick all day. I mean, all week for seven straight days, I was on this guy's floor with a hundred and five degree temperature the whole time. So I need to go back to Australia. More specifically, Perth, that's where it was last time, and give it another shot. I, I would love to play a tournament up there, and the Australia Open would be a great excuse to get back down south.
0: I've never been. I wanna go. Probably not probably not gonna go. Though. Yeah, they've got a lot of oh, shrimp. Gosh
1: a lot of seafood down there that you'll love to to not
0: question is this is a good question this is would you two ever consider not doing commentary do you think that not doing commentary would make you a better professional disc golfer this is a great question because i've struggled both ways i I, i'm hard-headed so i'm like no i'm gonna be fine this is what i do i can i'm also really good, which I don't think a lot of people understand at compartmentalizing a lot of things and being able to, to structure that in a way that I can be successful in, in different things. Would it make me better? It would make my life easier (laughs) for sure. I don't know that it would make me a better disc golfer. I don't know.
1: That's a great question. Um, and as a commentator for the last uh, seven seasons now, um, it, you know I've been thinking about this a bunch. Um, but the thing is, is I won't give that. I, I that part of me is now one of my favorite parts about my career. Um, I love doing commentary. I love being behind the microphone and talking about disc golf and watching disc golf and just more specifically working, not just with Jomez, but the people that work with Jomez. Yeah. Like, I love our crew so much. I love working with Yuli and Nate on a nightly basis. Um, I love that it gives me another career. And, and, you know, what you said earlier, talking to Connor, like, it, it, doing this gives us a way to remain a superstar in the sport, keep us relevant. And that's huge for me and my position. Like, I serve such a small role as just a standalone player for my, for my company. Would I be a better player? I think so, but I'm also 38. And it, like the time oh. that I started playing commentary... <laughs> yeah, all right, take it I mean, easy. Before you keep going, um, have you ever seen the
0: um, Kevin Hart where he's interviewing that guy and he's like, I'm 50, whatever, and he goes, whoa.
1: And he goes, wait, what was that? <laughs> I'll no, send it I to you afterwards. Keep going, sorry. that's All right. But it, it's hard for me to really track whether or not my regression as a player yeah. is more due to the fact that I've been focused on multiple things as opposed to just playing disc golf pre commentary days, or if it's a combination of that and the fact that I have uh, just gotten older um, and the competition has come swooping up like, like a bat out of hell. And it, you know, like my rating, if you look at my rating you can judge my placement all you want, but look at my rating over the last 10 years. Or 15 years or whatever. Like I've stayed in the 1020s this whole time. I am no less, I'm a better player than I was yeah. seven years ago. In my opinion, I think that I'm more capable of making a putt, of throwing an accurate backhand, of finessing the line, of making a, a, a correct decision whether to go or lay up than I was seven years ago. But it doesn't look that way because the field has just eclipsed me, you know, multiple times over. Um, but you know, but that, that's the way the sport is. Like I said before earlier, um, we have to work twice as hard just to stay in the same spot. And for me, that was like, I was kind of averaging anywhere from seventh to inside the top 20 in in, in my best days, you know, and then I would still finish in the top four every once in a while, but it was kind of rare. But I, that doesn't happen anymore because there's 30 you know, That's, 30 that's also who are something that. that I
0: hear a lot of people, especially the new generation and new fans especially, talking about Big Germ and his career. Let me tell you something. This dude, because they're like, oh, yeah, he got lucky with this and that, blah, blah, blah. Don't you have five Elite Series wins? Yeah, in major. Five. Mm-hmm.
1: Four. Yeah, I got lucky five. No, I got lucky five times. You got lucky five times. Yeah,
0: like that's mind blowing to me. Like you have five. Who else can you put that has five elite series wins off the top of your head besides like the obvious ones of Ricky? I mean, you had more than Simon for the longest
1: time until the last two years. Last until last two seasons. I mean, yeah, it's. I think it's crazy. I, you know, Brady Hanna and I, uh, Brady Hanna from do squad. If anybody remembers that company, close friend of ours. Um, he, he would always call me after my one big win a season and he'd just be like, Oh, so you got your one, one win this season. And you know, that was a joke for like five years in a row. I, I had a, a tour win, um, of, of notable, a notable career win every year. Um, but yeah. it was just one, you know? So it was like, why was I always just performing at one elite series event? I don't know. I mean, I wasn't, I was performing yeah. at other ones. I just happened to get a win like one, win a year. Um, but I, you know, I, I really, it's, it's, it's really wild because I thought that, or at least I hope that, that that could mm-hmm. continue into 2019 because it was in 2014 was, uh, Maple Hill, then 2015 Memorial 2016, USGC, 2017 and 18 was Waco. And then in 2019, the whole year passed and I didn't get one win and then USCGC comes around and I come up one stroke short of getting into a playoff with James Conrad. And I was certain that if we went over to hole one, yeah. I was taking down that trophy and I was going to win my second USCGC, but, um, James because that didn't happen and, and then 2020 was a shortened season, Unbelievable. he cursed me, he cursed me and I, and I will never forgive him for that. Um, but yeah, then then I got cursed with COVID and then <laughs> then I got old in 21 22 23 and now I just now I'm just terrible. <laughs> yes. I'm kidding. My body doesn't understand sarcasm. I'm not terrible. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, if I don't win another tournament, yeah, I, I don't but need that's to win I'm another tournament like, to
0: dude, you've had an amazing career. Is, career. You've had an amazing career and that's what I it actually frustrates me when I Thank hear you. people talk about anybody. Anybody who's been at it for a long time, who've had a really great career, people you know, it's mostly the young youngins the young kids won't name names but they're like oh that guy's yeah. awful it's yeah. like that guy's awful yeah dude germ's gonna
1: be in the hall of fame someday you dumbo like well it's <laughs> it's a it, it, disc golf like is just like any other sport it's a what have you done for me lately yeah. thing and as far as like competing in tournaments you know i i haven't done anything for anyone lately like yeah. and and i get that i'm i'm not like i hold myself to a high standard and it and yeah. it Pisses me off when I don't finish well. And like Jules gets this, unfortunately, experience the wrath of my frustration after the rounds because I'm still insanely competitive. I, I could make a lot more money if all I did was just commentary. I selfishly am still competing on tour because I have yeah. that fire in me to do still you think, compete. Do you, do you think you still so have like, a win left I, in you or two yeah. or three? You know, I, you know, I think going into this last season, I thought for sure I was going to pop off at some point, set point. Um, And I still maintain hope that, you know, I think any given weekend, if you're good enough to be on tour, then you're good enough to put things together and win. I mean, not, not trying to say that anybody is a one hit wonder, but like Parker Welk wasn't necessarily in contention at many tour events this year, but he won the DDO you know, and, and that's all it takes is just showing up and being in the right place at the right time. And then finding that spark where, you know, where, you know, that 47 foot putt is going in, you don't even, there's no question about it. You've already, you knew walking up to your lie three minutes ago, that when you walked up to your lie, wherever it was, that disc was going in the basket. And that's just a magical spark that, you know, it, it doesn't come around that often, but when it does, and you're that person, it could be your week any given week. So I maintain hope that, I will put myself in position to enjoy the thrill of the hunt and hopefully could take it down another one. But like I said, just a minute ago, man, I don't need that. Like it. And I guess the fact that I, I know that I don't need that might remove that killer instinct that gives you that edge when you are in that situation. But you know, I'm going to give myself as many chances as I possibly can while I'm still doing this. As I know you are too, buddy.
0: Well, I do know that, It's going to be 2024. Your first one was 2014. Oh, no. 10 year
1: reunion.
0: Man, you're old.
1: Holy cow. So, so much so. So much so. But you know what? If we watch watch this in 15 years, we're going to be like, oh my God, we were little babies. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We still got some youth left in us, buddy. For the
0: longest time, I'd see old pictures of myself, and I'd be like, ah, you look kind of the same. Now I look at myself, and I'm like, who the hell is that?
1: <laughs> and what'd you do with Paul Euliberry?" <laughs> <laughs> you grew this thing. Whatever this thing is that you keep, I don't know, you leave it on there for some reason, but yeah. you didn't have that so stash. much back in the day.
0: Stash, man, the dirty stash. I, I wouldn't call it a stash mustache no shave november dude give me a break <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah that's no shave 2023 is what you got on your face yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly oh man Jeremy. any this more is, questions ah uh, this is oh well maybe let's you want one more i'll give you one more
1: I got, let's get let's let's send off with one more question and, then, and okay. then we'll do our little goodbyes all right
2: let's see here
0: Tell us about the first time you met Germ. Where were you? What oh, were you no. doing?
1: <laughs> no, not this story. I hate this story. No, it's a good story.
0: <laughs> All right. First time I ever met Big Germ was in 2000. Oh. And I, I don't know. I'm mixed up about this. No, because I no, met no, no. you before this. Oh, so seven. Oh, 07. Yeah, seven. So the first time, it, they're 07. both hilarious stories. I'm only going to tell one this time, though. I'm playing, it was 2007, I'm playing at the USDGC. This, uh, what I thought, who I thought was a big Norwegian man. He had this long hair. Didn't you have long hair back then, I think?
1: I had, like, the wings. I, like, my yeah. hair was long in the back. It, he looked it, European, yeah, and I was like, this guy's, this guy's
0: caddying for long, somebody yeah, or something. I had the wings. Um. And he comes up to me and he, and we were trying, I think we were trying to throw oh my over the water or something, but he basically asked me if he can throw one of my discs over Winthrop Lake. And I'm like, no, I don't have any discs for you. And he's like, no, I promise I can get it over the lake, blah, 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 all this stuff. So I'm like, you'll never get this over the lake. He's, he's kept saying he could. I gave him a Z flick.
1: And he threw it directly in the middle of the lake. I threw that thing hard, (laughs) and I I committed to the Anheuser. I crushed that thing as far as it would go. And then midway through the lake, a parachute just shoots out the back of the Z-Flick, and it just goes kaploosh right in the middle. Yeah, that was bad.
0: That's the first time I met him. But after that, I was like, all right, I'm out of here. Like, this guy just threw my... Disc in the lake, I trusted him. Um, I met him again in 2007, and that's when we really kindled our friendship that we have
1: 2008, now. Oh, 2008. 2008. When, yeah. When, when I, you won AM when Worlds? when I won M Worlds, yeah, mm-hmm. you met me at a perfect well, so, time. So I met you. Well, when I when I really remember, I, I do remember getting that Z flick and crushing it, um, crushing it halfway. Um, but what I what I do remember mm-hmm. was. After I won Am Worlds, it was really important to me. Am Worlds was like a huge stepping stone in both of our careers. And um, I knew that you were the only person on tour that was an amateur world winner. Uh, Justin Jernigan played regionally here in North Carolina. And as did Jack Schmall felt a little bit. But for the most part, all the other amateur world champions before you um, kind of just weren't on the scene anymore. And I had I had a very distinct goal that I wanted to A, win Am Worlds in 2008. And then B, I wanted to be a mainstay on tour. I didn't want to just fizzle out. And you were kind of a, um, a beacon for me to look up to and, and use you as an example of people that are doing it. And so after I won M Worlds, like you were one of the few people that I sought after to say, hey man, like I'm in the club now. I want to be like you. I want to be on tour. Um, and I probably did it in my very um, gregarious, youthful, big germ way where I just sounded like a complete dweeb. And <laughs> you probably had no idea what I was talking about. I was probably talking faster than my mouth can move. And I'm sure it left a really great impression with you.
0: Yeah, so he came up to me after he 1M Worlds and he goes, I, ma- meanwhile, I missed like a 12-footer on the last hole to miss cash at the World Championship for the second year in a row. So I'm in the worst mood ever that there's ever been. And here comes this big guy that I had never met before in my life. And I didn't recognize him from him throwing my disc into the lake because he lost his hair. And so he comes up to me and he goes, Hey, did you see my shot? And I'm like, Oh, that's what I said. Oh, God. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, did you see my shot on 18? Of the final nine, and I'm like, Whole nine, whole nine, or yeah, yeah, of whole nine. I'm like, No, <laughs> didn't see you sh- your shot. Like, what are you talking about? And he goes, I parked whole nine in the final nine, and I won the, the world amateur world championships. And I'm like, Why are you talking to me right now? I'm because si- I'm sitting All here right. by myself on a chair in the middle of a field, clearly just irate. And this is how he starts the conversation with me. So then I'm like, I talked to him for a second and I, I end up getting his number. And I, uh, oh boy, put, you're in the
1: world, aren't you? I, you gotta tell I the world.
0: yeah, and I put him into my phone as Gumpy because of the <laughs> way he was talking about it. He just came up first, words out of his mouth were, Did you see my shot? And I'm like, Oh gosh, here we go. Um, oh, it's in. But just so the world knows, it's still in my phone. As that, it's never changed. We've been best
1: buds ever since. So that's Dude, the first that's time cr- I ever,
0: remember.
1: Gumpy, changed. man. I and and there was a crew like Robbie Bratton, Corey Sharp, Steve Mills. I mean, anybody that you really hung out with back then, th- nobody called me Germ. Like not in that crew. They just call me Gump, and. <laughs> I don't know what point that like changed, but I mean maybe after you started being better than all of us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like when we used to call Ricky uh Ricky White socky, Mm uh because he was wearing those ridiculous like high white socks, yeah. Just above the ankle height. Like the ankle height makes sense as an athlete, but when you go above that, but you don't go the full and quarters, it's like you're living in this weird world (laughs) of like. You just become Ricky Whitesaki, mm-hmm. and then it was Ricky Why So Lucky, and then we had all sorts of weird nicknames for him, and then it like very quickly became Sir Ricky. Oh, I'm so sorry that we <laughs> ever called you, you a yeah. bad thing, like he is yeah. Oh, oh, sorry everything. So, so then yeah, he became Saki Bomb because of a funny long story, but yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's how we met, man, and honestly. Um, we had we've had some rocky rocky situations in the past, obviously as best friends tend to, but um, you know also some tough uh, times that we helped each other through too. Oh no doubt. I mean like that's how you can tell the the testament of a true friend is like you know Yuli for for all the things that he that annoy me about him he is uh, no of course I. I the, the person that you have always been is something that I've always really liked in a true friend. And that is somebody who will out of the blue call you just to ask how you are. And, and that's something that he's always been really good at. And to me, it's just a sign, you know, anybody who has a friend like that knows that that just is, you get this feeling that you can trust them, that you know, that they care about you. And uh, when you started doing that during the off seasons and just checking in on me, it was like, I know this is somebody that you know, if, if, if things aren't going well, I can talk to him. And so then we started reciprocating that. And then, you know, that was way before we even started working together on Jomez. And so when, when people see us bickering on, on Jomez, some people say it's old. Some people say it's the reason they watch our practice rounds, (laughs) but regardless, like there's, it is a true brother on brother atmosphere there. It's like two dudes who have nothing but love for each other. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, like sometimes you don't want to see your brother. Yeah, You know, sometimes I don't, I've never had a brother, but I can imagine I've never had a little before (laughs) (laughs) I'm taller and older, (laughs) but that's how it feels. It's how it feels, man. And I've always appreciated that.
2: No doubt.
0: every time that the show ends for you to go to the spotify and give us some likes also on apple um remember to subscribe share it on your um social medias and we appreciate you guys for coming listening to the podcast and we'll see you next week on the tour life thanks